Episode 94 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the night monkey, Alessandro Valsi. Say hello, Al. In a world where being first on a message board gave you internet clout. <laughs> <laughs> on this week's episode, Ryan Johnson's next film, an unlikely Bond villain, 28 decades later, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Spider-Man Far From Home. But first, Al... What are we 28 doing? decades later. <laughs> I love how... In- You'll see. I, I'm so glad that you, you remembered that, because that was as inside as an inside <laughs> joke could be for, for yeah, the yeah. two of us. I hope Brian's listening. I figure Brian will probably listen to this episode, because he said he liked the movie. Um, sure, That sure. was such a random... Co- were you in San Francisco during that conversation? 100%. <laughs> I had no idea you were there this week. Until literally today, the day you were flying back. Yeah. Yeah, sending you pictures from outside the IGN office. Yeah, I, well, first of all, that was, that should have been my first indication. One, I have no idea where the IGN offices are. Got Two, it. Two, you sent it to me at 2.30 in the morning. Um, and I'm usually the one of the three of us who's up the latest. And, you know, if any of us send something in the middle of the night, whatever, we know that the rest of us will get to it in the morning. And, like, I remember registering it. I was like, what the fuck is he sending me pictures of the IGN offices at 2.30 in the morning? <laughs> On a Wednesday night. It was like... I don't know. I was tired this morning. I, we have Dexter this week, and he decided that he was just going to start howling at 7 in the morning. And I, was, <laughs> I wasn't I was planning on waking up until 8. So um, you can see how that would have thrown me a little bit. So I saw that as I was going to deal with him. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it was weird. It was confusing. But um, It was uh, the hotel that we were staying at. I was walking up, up to the office, and we passed Ubisoft. And I was like, now hang on. I'm pretty sure IGN's like... As they used to say on all of their shows, like, they're down the block from Ubisoft. So I was like, let me look this up. I was like, oh, it's literally around the block from the hotel. What a weird humble <laughs> brag, by the way. Right around the corner what? from uh, Ubisoft. Yeah, no, no, we go down there all the time. I mean, no, it, make, it makes sense they're in the gaming industry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's super easy but, uh, for us to I, come I, in I did and not do realize. Like, an exclusive. Like, we'll just walk down the street. We don't even have to expense I, anything. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't realize that I was going to be that close. And I was like, oh. Like, it's like weirdly, I love those... I love them so much there. <laughs> I, they, they entertain me for hours on end every week. So I feel like seeing one of those folks from the podcast that I consume constantly would have been like more of like me fanboying out more than seeing like an actor that I really like. I feel like you would fanboy out about meeting Kevin Smith, like actually getting to like talk to him even if it was for two seconds. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I didn't get that when I saw him live. I saw him live a couple times, but I uh, I waited online once, but it was just date. I mean, I I'm sure I'm one of them, but 
his fans are really weird, man. And like they talk to him for hours. The thing is, every like, hardcore fan of everything is weird, which means all of yeah. us is weird about our like one thing, or maybe it's ten things. Yeah, for like, sure. Whatever. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like if people meet like Mark Hamill, they're gonna freak out. You know, what I mean, if people meet Kevin Smith, they're gonna freak out. If people meet, you know, LeBron James, they're gonna freak out. It's just that's what yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely. I, I would lose my words if a few of them came out. Like, if like if I, I ran into a few of them. And, like, we totally, like, we went to, like, a coin-op bar that was, like, two blocks away from that office. I was like, huh, there's a, maybe there's a chance that we'll run into people here. Well, you listen, well, I was definitely looking. Which is the one you, is, is Podcast Unlocked, right? Is that what it was? I listened to all of, well, not all, most of them. Unlocked, Beyond, Game Scoop is my favorite, ah, okay. and NVC. Well, un- Unlocked is their, like, their biggest one, like, their main one, right? No, Unlocked is just their Xbox One. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm? I, it's just yeah, that's game, a... game Scoop is like the overarching games podcast. Okay, because I've never, that's my favorite one. I've never listened to any of them, but that's like the one whose name I always recognize. So, I assumed it was their biggest one. So, did we? We didn't say what we were. Well, doing, we really. haven't taken a sip. We haven't said a single word about the beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't know what Anthony is going to get edited out or what's not. But we had several disturbances. I feel like you should clip Gianna's thing and put it back in its appropriate spot later. Um, if I yeah if I if I could clip it clean I'll I'll do that. There uh, won't be anything clean. There's definitely that. a few disturbances in the force. Um, yeah, so uh, we're drinking Sam Adams Bavarian Lager. Uh, this was given to me as, hey, as a gift. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna derail you right now. So Bavarian. The, every time I hear that word, the all I could. Have you ever seen Eight Crazy Nights? I think we've talked about it on the show before. No, it's an Adam Sandler. I, have, I, I know the movie. movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah. There is a point in the movie where there's donuts, and I don't remember why, but the character whose voice I absolutely love goes, Bavarian, Greenfield! And every time I hear that word, that his voice pops into my head. See, I always think of um, Beer Fest when, um, well, I always forget mm. the guy's name, the guy who's the, the, the one who plays the uh, the older German guy, the, the patriarch, who's in like the yep. rival group, and he says something about, you know, your grandmother was a whore in Bavaria. I always think of the way he puts such a like, dramatic <laughs> emphasis on it, and I always think of like how he says it whenever I hear the word. So good. Um, I did have a box for this. This was given to me as a gift, uh, all 12 of them. Oh. And um, I don't know where the box is. I've actually drank this before, but that's because I earmarked this for us for the show a long time ago. And nice. then I had a need, so I drank them. But I had made sure that we had the two of them for us, and so here we are finally doing it on the show. So it's a golden lager with bright citrus notes. Um, there was more stuff written about it on the box, but there's nothing else on this other than that it is a 5.5% alcohol by volume and 18 IBUs, only 12 fluid ounces because Anthony's hurting right now. And um, I'm, I, am, I am hurting a little bit. Also, let's not forget this was best enjoyed by June. Well, we only um, missed it by a month. Regardless. A couple of weeks. Um, but, uh... Yeah, Erroneous. Whatever, I mean... Erroneous on both counts. It was, it was properly cared for. It's been in the fridge the whole time. It hasn't been, like, in the sun or transferred yeah. to heat yeah, repeatedly. Like, it's... It should be fine. Um, but I figured I would pick something that would be the most delicate on your senses right now because I feel like you yeah. needed that. I appreciate that. I'm pretty sure, yeah, 50% or more of what I've consumed over the past... Three days is alcohol has been alcohol, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and like just short, like very short sleep cycles because I, you know, I was going to bed late, like I, I adjusted immediately where I, I could, I was staying up late and then I was going to bed like at a time where I would get you know seven hours and, and then I'd and be three waking hours up for isn't work. That bad. 
But no, it's not. But then I, but I was waking up at like five, like just naturally, and I was like, I don't wake up at eight naturally. <laughs> like I need an alarm clock. This is not something that just happens for me. Um, my body was disagreeing with me. But anyway, thank you for being so kind. To me. <laughs> you could have really like I could have. I wasn't paying too much attention. You could have been a dick about that. No, I considered it. I was like, let me find something. Like, <laughs> What's the worst thing? No, I was like, let me find the thing that'll be the easiest for him to drink. Alcohol content we have. <laughs> Low alcohol. It doesn't have dramatic flavor, even though I know you've gr- grown to love the IPAs too. Like, I didn't want something that was going to mm. be like really strong on the palate. Figured some 12 ounces instead of 16. Like, I, I, I considered it strongly. I had some really good hazy IPAs while I was there. Well, we got a hazy lager. Very happy. So you want to take a sip of this? very happy with it. Let's do it. Cheers. Nice. All right. It's just a good, solid, easy drinking. Like, hey, like this yeah, is the type of thing you can drink out in like the sun in the spring or in the in the summer. Like, it's just a very you could agreeable. Drink, you could drink this with food. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's very like neutral and balanced. Like you could kind of drink it with anything. It's got you can see just a hint of the hops, even though it's not a strong sound of IPA of any sort. You get just sure. enough of the wheat, but not so much that it feels like it would be heavy on you. Mm-hmm. No, this is I, I like this. You're uh, you're getting a thumb up on this one. Nice straw color. It's, Natu- it's actually naturally. clearer than I. I mean, I've, we've discussed this in the past because it's weird that Jack's Abbey, as much as we love them, it's weird that they do unfiltered lagers because one of the distinct characteristics of a lager is typically that it is crystal clear by appearance. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But this one has some wheat in it, and so um, that sort of thing, the proteins in that is what causes a lot of haziness, and it's only the slightest bit of haze to it. They did a really good job of clarifying it with this, so. Yeah, th- it, this has like a very, uh, like a very sticky head. Like, if you <laughs> if you tilt the glass just a little bit, it'll it'll go all the way down the side of the glass. Yeah, that's driven, a lot of times driven by protein content, which again is kind of coming down to uh, the wheat component of it, so. But you expect uh, a good head for a lager beer, um, typically. Mm-hmm. Nice. This is... I really like this. Yeah, it's just a good, I, solid beer. Yeah. Good good choice, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm, good job, Sam. <laughs> good job. Uh, yeah, sweet. Okay, should we get into some news and nuggets? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start out with one that we both have. Uh, I'm, I know because you, you brought it up earlier. Yeah, I usually don't I, do that, but I feel like it made sense today. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. Let's do it. Uh, Ryan Johnson's next flick is called Knives Out. And if you haven't seen the trailer for this, I, I very much encourage you to watch it because, man, does that movie look entertaining. I love a good whodunit. You know I love Clue. Yeah. Like, I, this is just like a, you know, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, we enjoyed that. So good. And I'm a Gosford Park. Like, I'm, 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 if one of these comes up, I'm in. I'm all in for these types of movies. I love it. I have to say, I'm not an expert... On Ryan Johnson's work. Like, I know the things that he's done, but I haven't seen them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little surprised by the trailer. I have to imagine he's holding some stuff back because mm-hmm. the tone of this didn't really seem like him, which really surprised me. It seemed to lean more towards comical, but I don't know if that was because they highlighted so many of those comedic sequences. Well, it's not like he can't do some funny stuff it's just overall this seemed like a very light and airy type of thing yeah. you know what i mean like it, it it was it's a borderline clue it's campy yes it was kind of campy like clue that doesn't strike me as his 
think. I I haven't seen Looper, but I'm familiar with it. Um, I've seen I, that. I, you know, he's done, he did three episodes on Breaking Bad. Um, so I'm familiar with that. Like stuff like, like The Fly is the one that everyone talks about. He also did Ozymandias, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is the one that everyone loves. Or it might have been Tajuli, I forget. Um, one of those last three or four episodes of the show, he did one of them. Um, and he did one yeah. other one, I can't remember which one. Um, and then I saw Brick, which I think was his first feature film. Which was really dark. And then obviously we've seen um, The Last Jedi. Um, this feels like it's outside of those things. So I wonder I... if it's all a big fake out. I don't know. I, I'm thinking maybe more along the lines of he wants to, he wanted to do something different. I suppose so. I just... I mean, all of those things are very different. You have one about a future, yeah. future mob assassin who's going to be killed by his past self. Um, you have one that's a Star Wars. Um, <laughs> you have... I would I would be worried that the... Uh, if that were the case, like where where it's it's not what it seems in the trailer that it'd be too much of a bait and switch to get people in to see it uh but i don't know i feel like it, i think it will lean towards that comedy i think it's going to lean heavily into the camp it's going to be it's it's going to be like a clue but not so over the top like like clue batman forever rather than clue batman and robin <laughs> you know like it, it's, no, it's, be. <laughs> it's just the thing is like I, I i can't i'm lacking the words to properly describe what it is that I expect from his stuff. I just know that this isn't it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I, I won't see it, because I am interested, because it's got a hell of a cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just very surprised when the trailer was over. I was like, huh, that just doesn't really seem like him. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I will say, what I did notice, uh, direction, like, the way that those movies are, his movies are shot, you can call, he's one of those people that you could start to call out almost immediately now. Yeah. The way that he frames and, like, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, he's built up, like, a visual catalog of, like, things that you kind of expect to see. And again, yeah, I like, like, I like the words to describe them, but it's, like, one of those things, like, I don't know how to describe it, but I know it when I see yeah. it type of thing. For sure. Like, yeah, again, n- neither of us are in any sort of film industry, but, like, we are so passionate about the movies. Like, there's certain movies that we see a trailer, again, the Dunkirk trailer, yep. right? Two, two seconds of... I'm pretty sure a great screen, and it's like ha, Christopher Nolan movie. And it was like, like I feel like he's starting to have uh, a style that I could, I could like pick out. Yeah, which is, I mean, you know, good on him. He's consistent in that way, if that's the case. And then I'd like to see where he goes with this. I'm very curious about this movie just because I love that style of a movie. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Clue and I enjoyed um, Murder on the Orient Express and. Um... Haunted Honeymoon. Have you seen Gosford Park? No. Haunted Honeymoon. <laughs> Haunted Honeymoon is so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll do that. that. Should that be like a back catalog, back catalog like episode? I think we've discussed we'll do, it do for a second. As soon as I said, it, I was like, "Wait, did we do it on the show?" Or just did we discuss it <laughs> no, as like no, a that's a rainy day movie it. for us? Like probably that, probably that. But uh, yeah, that's this is that's coming out this Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Chris Evans. I got it right. Yeah, I was really surprised to see him turn up in a movie like this, too. Yeah. He was... He seemed to be having a really good time in the trailer. Yeah. That's that's what... That's what was giving me the Clue vibes, was just the goofiness of his character. Yeah. And even Daniel Craig seemed to be having a little bit of fun, too. It's weird, too, because he's playing, like, part 
Sherlock Holmes part Hercule Poirot. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, Yeah. Like, it was a weird... I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it because I'm a big Daniel Craig fan, but, like, it was an interesting take for him. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. I don't know why you just said Sherlock Holmes, and apparently... I completely forgot. I, there was another movie, an entire other movie that I forgot about that I watched on the planes. <laughs> so I was recapping with Al earlier what movies I watched uh, to and from uh, the West Coast, and it was... Uh, I had Stan and Ollie, which was absolutely fantastic. Hellboy... I really enjoyed it. I was glad it was a perfect plane movie. I'm surprised like, because and, I heard and we'll get into that like in a in a review that I do. But I heard a lot of negative coverage of that movie. That, that's probably I was definitely surprised going in because I was super excited about and it. And like from people that like I, I feel like I have like their sensibilities nailed down. Where like I yep. I know like okay even if they don't like it I might like it because X like. No, I heard kind of universally, like, it, yeah. like, like the best review was, eh, meh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So that was a, that was a nice surprise. Um, I watched St. Elmo's Fire, which I really enjoyed. I had never seen it before. Great music, man. Great music in that movie. Um, and oh, you're going to be hearing that, a lot about great music from me in the next couple episodes. I watched that dumb, that dumb... Uh, Holmes, what is it? Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. Oh my god! And you know what? It's funny. It's it's real stupid, but it's funny. Is it? <laughs> like it, that, it's that was what turned me off because I was interested to see it, and I heard it wasn't funny. Like I oh no, expect people to say, "Oh, this is mo- this movie is dumb or bad or whatever," but I expect funny, and I heard it wasn't funny. I laughed out loud. It's. It is. It's more on the dumb side. I laughed out loud a few times because it did. Tra- it did it. track with me when I first saw the first trailer, like the full trailer. I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, none of this was really that funny." The only scene I laughed at was when with the bees. That was the only scene in the trailer I laughed oh, the, at. That uh, was, that that scene is actually really funny. Uh, the, the that trailer. The, yeah, the trailer didn't necessarily do it that much justice. Uh, it, again, not a great movie, and it's like I might not watch it again. But I had I had a good time. It's it was a good movie to throw on on a plane. Okay. Uh, but definitely definitely a few laughs, uh, ones that I wasn't expecting. Where it was just like, the joke would go on, and you're you know you're chuckling along, and then they just take it like way too far and make it way too perverse, <laughs> and that made it funny. Usually that can turn off the joke, like make it like, oh this is dumb, like a jump the shark moment yeah, yeah. thing. But like, uh, they ended up being some of, some of those ended up paying off, which I thought was which is very silly. But uh, yeah, completely, I completely forgot about that movie when we were talking earlier about what, what I had watched. Yeah, you said, oh, I saw three movies, and then you named three yep. movies, and I was like, okay, Turns conversation out over. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's this going? Uh, anyway, Knives, this Thanksgiving, we'll be there. Um, I've got a fun nugget. So, are you familiar with the Graham Norton show? Um, the name sounds familiar. It's a, it's a, it's a talk show. It's kind of... Uh, I feel like it's like a lighter format. Usually, uh, there's like a couple of different actors from different things or different famous folks from different things on at the same time. So like they're talking with each other, talking with the host. It's not. It's less one-on-one and more like a group conversation. But like certain areas are guided. Anyway, they uh, Tom Hanks was on promoting Toy Story Four, and they were asking questions about like being in a superhero movie and if he would ever be interested and he laughed at that concept he's like could you imagine like me with my voice playing batman 
<laughs> like, could you, like, could you? And then he said, "However, I would love to play a Bond villain, and I can't get that out of my head now." And I was like, "Could you? I that's the movie I want. I don't give a shit who plays James Bond. I want Tom Hanks as a Bond villain." Well, if you, your eyes are wide open I, right yeah, now for the audience, I just got like 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 a kid on Christmas. Just like, <gasps> yeah, but you know what this reminded me of? Um, he kind of was one, like a cheesy bad version of one, like. Like, not even menacing enough. But mm-hmm. he kind of was a Bond villain in that movie, The Circle. Circle. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I, I, had, a, I had a feeling that's where that would go. I, I still... I want you to see that movie just so that we can have a conversation about one <laughs> specific thing. It doesn't even okay. warrant an episode. <laughs> but... You want me, so I have to watch an entire movie for one of our nuggets. Yes, that that is I mean what I'm, I'm okay with you. that. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't the me. worst movie. Yeah, but it also wasn't good. Had a good cast. Yeah, that's the only real redeeming quality. Yeah. I think there was some interesting ideas that just like it read. It reads like bullet points for a movie on a page. Like that's how the movie is executed. Yeah, like, this would be an interesting I, idea. This would be an interesting where, idea. And, like, they never come together as, like, a good movie. Like, there's sequences that right, work, right. like, in an interesting fashion. But overall, it doesn't work as a movie. Whereas the reviews for Hellboy were meh. Every time I feel like I read a review for that, people were like, nah. <laughs> like, it's just a little bit lower than that. There's one specific <laughs> thing that I don't want to tip you off to that I want to talk uh-huh. about. But I only want to talk about it, like... After I've seen it. F- but, like, freshly after you've seen it. Like, I want to talk... Okay. Like... I want you to see it, and then I want us to like incorporate it as a nugget in that week's episode, so Sounds that good. all of the stuff is like fresh in your mind. We can make that happen. We can make that happen for sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, the thing that I am most looking forward to is Tom Hanks as a Bond villain, and probably will never get. Uh, I mean, there's still time. Like he can he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Sure, I don't. It's just like, are they gonna go for it? Or I mean, they they'd be stupid not to. But I mean, if he calls if if he calls up. You know, broccoli productions or whatever the hell. Um, it was Eon. Is that what is that the, the name of their production company? I think. Um, and says, broccoli "Hey, I want to be, I want to be a Bond villain in one of your upcoming movies. The next one, it could be two after whatever. I'm I'm on board. I feel like they'd be like, okay, well, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm like, <laughs> if, if it were me making Bond movies, I'd be like, oh, okay, stop everything. Well, I mean, I'm pretty interested <laughs> to see what Rami Malek does, but like. Mm. above and beyond that like fuck it let's get tom hanks in here like yes yeah absolutely i just i want that so bad uh you have another nugget or so um yeah sure let's talk i've got two i've got two more so uh, and don't forget i have a pretty long form discussion on the leftovers right um we'll do that at the end at the end of news and nuggets yeah it's fine um okay. i just i was just offering out to you so you remember it uh let's talk yep. about the Lord of the Rings show that we've mentioned before on mm. Amazon. Namely, mm-hmm. that they tapped J.A. Bayona to direct. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, he is the director of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which we did last year. I think, was that the first time or the second time Gianna guest co-hosted with us? Uh, say... she's, she's been on, what, two or three times now? Uh, in addition to like her interjections like tonight. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Uh, actually, she what, yeah she's she do? she's done our most three. I think she's done three. She did Spider Man, yeah. Homecoming. She did Fallen Kingdom, and I think she did one other one. Was did, was she there for one of those wacky movies like the 
enemy or something like that? No, it wasn't enemy. Hmm. She definitely... I feel pretty confident she did at least one other one. So, me too. We'll have to go through the logs. But anyway. Um, anyway, uh, so he is being included in the Lord of the Rings show. He's been tapped to direct the first two episodes. Um, and then he will executive produce alongside his producing partner, Belen Atencia. Uh, he says, his direct quote was, J.R. Tolkien created one of the most extraordinary and inspiring stories of all time. And as a lifelong fan, it's an honor and a joy to join this amazing team. I can't wait to take audiences around the world to Middle-earth and then have them discover the wonders of the Second Age with a never-before-seen story. The series is going to be written by feature scribes J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. They lead a writer's room, which is believed to include Breaking Bad alumna Jennifer Hutchison and Game of Thrones veteran Brian Cogman, among others. Brian Cogman, I know I've seen that name a million times in the Thrones credits. Mm-hmm. Um, we're thrilled to have J.A. and Belen joining the fellowship as we continue to develop this epic series said Payne and McKay we have been great admirers of J.E.'s work for years and know that his epic cinematic and deeply heartfelt aesthetic is the perfect sensibility to bring Middle Earth to life anew his first feature film critically acclaimed thriller The Orphanage executive produced by Guillermo del Toro premiered in a 10 minute standing to a 10 minute standing ovation at the 2007 Cannes Film Festival and later (laughs) won 7 Goya awards in Spain including Best New Director um, Where is this from again? This is on Deadline. Okay. Um, apparently, he directed a movie called The Impossible, starring Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor. I was not sure of that. Um, <laughs> and I did know that he did A Monster Calls, starring Sigourney Weaver and Liam Neeson and Felicity Jones. So, as our resident Lord of the Rings fan, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I am intrigued because... His best work, or at least his most well-known work, is horror-type stuff, which uh, a new... uh, Sorry, Fallen Kingdom was a solid movie. It wasn't anything great, but the best sequences were the horror sequences. Mm -hmm. It became very apparent, oh, shit, yeah, Yeah. he's a horror director. Like, the scene... It's both the writing of the scenes and the way that he chooses to frame... Let's not forget devastation. Horror... And devastation. Horror and devastation. <laughs> like the scene with the volcano going off and you see the shadow creeping down the the, yeah. the, the, the tunnel. All of the Rest whole in peace, s- Brontosaurus. <laughs> yeah, well that was after. Um, and the whole <laughs> sequence in the mansion being chased by the Indo. That was so cool. Like he completely fucking nails horror stuff. So the snatch out of the shadows. Yes. In the oh, the scene, oh, the scene that got me chills just thinking about the scene, it. and it's like layered. I was actually reading something about it. It's like oh shit, I didn't really connect those, but it's like yeah, they fucking that's that is way more deep and layered than I realized. The scene where they're sneaking through the exhibits and mm-hmm. the girl oh the looks reflection into the mirror and the Ugh. mirror is reflected with the thing yeah that was a really well shot scene and I I didn't really click. At that point, but the, the idea that the two of them are kind of two sides of the same coin, being these bastardized monstrosities of the scientific uh-huh. reach, like exceeding their grasp, I was like, oh, this is, this is deep. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There are some some very cool pieces there. Yeah. So how does this translate? I'm curious to see how that translates. He also did a couple episodes of Petty Dreadful on Showtime, which is a horror show. Again, horror. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see. There's definitely room. For horror elements in Lord of the Rings. Sure. 
So I mm-hmm. am curious to see, like, there is a potential for a fit, but not knowing what story specifically they're going to adapt, because they still haven't told us yet, um, I'm curious to see what it is. Uh, I'm glad that they said specifically it's a second age thing. I think we had known that in the past, but I, it's been a while since we've gotten hard news on the show, so I kind of forgot. We're still not going to see it till next year, probably, I think. Um, mm. uh, what's it? Did you say what it's going to be on? It's going to be on Amazon Prime. Oh, sorry, you did, yep. Um, yeah, they spent like a billion dollars on it. Um, like, well, that's including like acquiring the rights and everything. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I'm, I am curious to see, cause the original rumors based really in nothing was that it was going to be like a young Aragorn, Aragorn story, which we just don't need as much as I love the character. We just don't need that. Um, but doing something in the second age, there's, there's room to do something cool and interesting in there. So. Nice. I'm. I'd be. I'd be obviously down to check that out. I'm not like. I'm not nearly as big of a fan as you are for it, but yeah. I feel like it's probably gonna be a thing that we talk about a lot. So I will. I'll most likely invest my time into it. And you'll be more interested in watching it rather than watching one of the movies. <laughs> this is true. This is true. It's gonna be like I'm gonna get real excited about it watching it. Like you know what? It's time. I'm gonna watch the movies again, and then I'm gonna make the same like mistake. I'm gonna do it in some form of marathon viewing, and I'm gonna be like, nope, <laughs> never again. <laughs> no, you're just gonna be smart and do it like once a month or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, one one disc a month. <laughs> no, one whole I wanna, movie. I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> awesome. All right, so I've got I've got two nuggets here. <clears throat> that kind of tie in nicely together. So the first is, you, I believe you have brought this up in the past, but the the beach prequel. The beach prequel. Yeah. So the movie The Beach. Yeah. They're making a prequel TV series. That's dumb. Hang on. Yes, but hang on. <laughs> Uh, here's the quote that I want, I I just want to, uh, have to make sure that I have a good look at your face when I read this one. All right. Boyle has revealed that Amy Semitz, I'm not sure how to say that name. Simetz. Simetz. Has been in charge of the project, which will be a prequel set 20 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Nailed it. Okay, cool. That's the that's the reaction I was going for. What the for. fuck has happened to Danny Boyle? What does that even mean? Yeah, well, first of all, just going above and beyond the breaking of, like, grammatical possibility. Um, it says at the end of that, sorry, this is from Lad Bible, I think it was, like, the, okay. yeah. And it says after that, I know we're confused, too. That's, like, that was accurately what was said. What? Yeah. <laughs> But the the problem there's so many problems with this. I I'm gonna leave alone the incoherence of the sentence itself. I'm just gonna leave mm. it alone. There's something isn't there something else Danny Boyle's been involved in or doing that's like it's like is he okay? There's something else that happened recently. Oh, it was the whole thing with the the Bond movie. He was supposed to do the Bond movie. The, yeah. the, the breakup between him and and the production was funky too. And I think something else happened recently as well. But like there's no reason. To do anything else in that universe of the beach. It was fine. It was a really interesting concept. The movie was very much not what I expected it to be. Mm. Um, 
I probably am biased towards liking it more than I would have just because Alex Garland wrote the novel and I love right. him. We we both mm-hmm. love him. Um, the movie was was fine. It was solid. It was really weird. Um, there doesn't need to be anything else done in or around that movie. There just doesn't. There does not need to be anything else done with it. No, it's it's very very strange. Like they told a barely coherent but a cohesive story from start to finish. It was interesting. It's this kind of whole existential thing. More on that later. Um, and it's fine. It's an examination of this funky alternative lifestyle and how all those sorts of things can go wildly wrong and it was interesting it was shot interestingly there's the story is not told in a conventional manner i really and i don't regret my time watching the movie i would regret spending another second doing anything else around that movie yeah i i actually kind of want to rewatch it because it's been a long time yeah because i'd asked about uh, it because i thought maybe we would be positioned to do it for an episode it sounded like yeah. you'd already seen it and only kind of remembered it so yeah, it was a long. I think time I might ago. have notes somewhere on my phone actually for it. Excellent, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I read that and I was like, "What? Like, what is this statement? Like, what is? That? I mean, and it also the article's a little all over the place. It's like working on this, but it may happen. So like, I don't know, like how, like, it, like how legit of a thing it would be. But uh, that was just that was just funny. Twenty years later, prequel, whatever that means. Oh, are uh, they just talking about of... because the movie came out 20 years ago? Is that? But it says it's set. So here, you know what? Let me find. I'm going to pull this up real quick because it's worth it's worth diving a little deeper. Um, Simitz has taken the beach and made a prequel for television. It's the same character, but it's set now. So 20 years later. It's a bit of a head fuck. Oh, yeah, that's not Do they just not know how to? Yeah. It's not providing any additional clarity. Right. I have I have no idea. Maybe they're saying it's crazy that they're making a prequel so long after the original. That's why I was that, wondering. Was that like, would was make they more to sense. It like the movie was twenty years ago. Like I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm done with this. Topic. But your your immediate <laughs> reaction was was well worth it. Uh, speaking of twenty years later, there's going to be another twenty eight days later film. Okay, so we have twenty eight days. In, it, 28 weeks and 28 months later, right? One would assume. Um, in the works with Alex Garland. So. Oh, is he back involved again? Because I think he yes. wasn't after the first one, right? Uh, I don't know. I just know that he's involved in this one. Um, but that's... I mean, I, I liked those two movies a lot. Which ones? I remember real, the 28 days and 28 weeks. Okay. I saw the first one and it was really good. I didn't see the second one. I, I'm pretty sure my brother did. I remember enjoying that one as well, so I'm I'm definitely open to seeing another one of these. And you know, like like you mentioned, we're all on board here with Alex Garland. But yeah, Danny Boyle's a little bit nuts right now, so who knows what <laughs> what this could mean? It says they have a like a script that or yes. a story that they they feel does the does the does the continuing story justice. So they, if they feel confident in it, great. It's 28 months later, yeah. I was saying, because they did right, days so, and weeks. This is the third film. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that it's months, but it's been so long. I thought maybe they would go... Decades? Yeah, years. <laughs> Decades. Actually, actually, isn't that show of his coming out in the fall? Which show? Remember that show that we were the, talking about? Uh, the Alex Garland one? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know what. The I think it's supposed are. to come out in like September, or October. It's on uh, FX, I think, or FXX, mm-hmm. one of those two. Devs, a computer engineer, investigates yep. the secretive development division in her company, which she believes is behind the disappearance of her boyfriend. Dun dun dun. Man, I just want to watch some of his other movies right now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm exci- I would be excited for that. I want to see where that goes because I I I'm looking. I have those movies. I've been wanting to rewatch them. Which one? Um, Twenty Eight Days in Weeks. Oh, uh, yeah. I really so. I've seen Twenty Eight Days a couple times. Um, Twenty Eight Days Later a couple times, and I really liked it. Um, but yeah, I never saw. I saw like five minutes of the second one. Gotcha. I haven't seen them. In a very long time. So I'm curious how they hold up for me. I have very fond memories of them, but I couldn't tell you exactly what happens either. So I'd be curious to see if it... So you know what? We should do both movies back to back as one episode and see... Yeah, yeah, and see how that uh, how it plays out for us. Yeah, so I don't think, he, right. I don't think he did any... Well, he, he executive produced 28 Weeks Later, but he didn't write it. He wrote the first one. He didn't direct it. But he mm. is producing and writing the second one. Yeah, the third one. Really? Yeah, he's, he's writing 28 months later. So I guess he's come back to gotcha. the fold. Sweet. All right. So do you have other nuggets before you get into your longer Yes. Um, uh, oh, the ending of the Walking Dead comic, mm. um, which included me... Spoiling something pretty big for for yeah, Anthony, was, which I didn't was realize deal. was a spoiler because I just assumed you were aware because it was really big news and it happened a while ago. So I just assumed you probably saw it and no, it's something that's I, already kind of happened on the show. I actively, I, I have actively avoided anything about the comics just because I, you know, my one, I have it on my, I download them through like through Amazon, through Comixology on my on my iPad, and I really enjoy them. And I kind of, I go through phases of reading them where I'll read, like, way too much of it at once and catch up, and then there's nothing else for me to read, and then I fall off for a few months and then go back. See, I didn't realize you were that far behind. I couldn't yeah, remember behind. if you were keeping more or less up with it or if you had read it for a while and then, like, kind of fell out of it and wasn't planning on getting back to it, you know what I mean? I'm probably like a year behind at this point. Okay, yeah. I just assumed because like it was a really big deal in the news. I just assumed mm-hmm. you were aware. No, but it's okay. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so for we'll we will try not to spoil too much about what happened then with it. I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. that it was announced out of nowhere that it was ending. That this issue that just came out was the final one, which that's crazy is crazy considering how big and important it is. But on the other hand, it's pretty perfect for it. You know what I mean? For something that made its bones both in the comic and in the show for not having anyone be safe, at least until eventually it became too big to fail so everyone was safe. Um, yeah. Until they were ready to be written off the show because they got tired of working with them. Um, for that, I feel like it's perfect to have, a, you know, have this end suddenly and unexpectedly in the way that so many characters did. I just want you to know that Made It's Bones didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> I, want, I want you to know that. <laughs> it went, it went unnoticed by bones. me. That was one of those ones that I didn't um, plan. Would you argue that it's Bones Arts Dollars? <laughs> Once a week. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> did so, you even see the? I, I forgot. Did you even respond to the the one I sent you? Was it yesterday? Absolutely not. I did not. No, I read it. Did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Um, so it abruptly ended. Is that abruptly from our perspective, or was that like a general consensus that it was abrupt? Well, no one knew they like because like well, when you consider the way that like how on the show Rick leaving the show type of thing like there was like a month of like commercials about Rick's leaving the show or it's like yeah yeah it's abrupt in the sense that like people I had seen some speculation that people were wondering whether it might be drawing to a conclusion but like okay in the next year you know what I mean gotcha, gotcha. and then all of a sudden it was just like two days final issue. two days before the final issue came out they put out a pressure saying, this is the final issue. Wow, okay. That's great. Like, you know what? That adds like a level of like shock, which I, I kind of could appreciate. Like it's a, it's a little bit meta, but like well, that's what I'm saying. This emotionally is set for what you're going to read, I imagine. This that's, is perfect way cool. to end something that yeah. had killed off so many people unceremoniously to then end the thing unceremoniously. And from what I understand, I didn't read it. I did read a synopsis of it because I've never read any of the comics, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, there's a substantial time jump in the final issue to give you kind of closure on everyone's oh. storylines. This is going to be one of those things where I am, I said I'm behind right now, but like by the time you talk to me again, I might, have, I might be finished with it because now you have me excited to read it. Well, I guess that means you're taking off work tomorrow because I'm going to talk to you <laughs> in like 12 hours or 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I assume you're going to sleep at some point, sleep off your, your drunken, uh, yeah, I'll I'll read myself to sleep and then I'll have some wild nightmares and then I will work and then I will read before you get here. <laughs> yeah, but I imagine that you're not going to catch up on a year's worth of comics before I get there. Is the point? <laughs> you don't know me. Once I when I get in the zone with that with that particular. Well, it is run, a comic book. You can read that yeah. a lot faster. I'm picturing oh, yeah. more like the amount of pages right of like it. a novel. Like this would obviously be go much faster, but I would still be surprised if you manage to finish. I could see you you know, knocking out maybe half of it. Say. <laughs> We'll see. It, it depends on it, actually how far behind I am, because I I don't know exactly how far behind I am. Yeah. But anyway, interesting, interesting. So that's cool. Um, and that was sorry. When did that happen? When was that last one released? I, I think a week ago, or a week ago, eight days ago, or something like that. Got it. Got it. Cool. 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 All right. So get into your. Uh, Okay, as promised, which was supposed to be last week. For those of you wondering why all of our news is like a week old or more, it's because uh, there was a miscommunication last week. We were supposed to record and have an episode out the day after the 4th of July. That's a, that's a very nice way of putting it, because I just completely screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. It's fine. That's it happens. Fine. I, I've dropped the ball. You dropped the ball. We're pretty even about it. The reason that this relationship works is because... There's only been a couple of things where one of us has stuck it to the other on something, and then we figured it out like adults, and it's <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Most of the time, we just turn it into a bit on the show because yeah. through laughter is the best way to channel these things. I think I wasn't I wasn't even remotely close to my equipment, and I couldn't I I could have done it because I was actually prepared. I know, uh, <laughs> which is the which is the screwed up part. <laughs> it well, I say a miscommunication because. I did send you the text, and when you didn't oh, yeah. respond to that specific thing about, so we're ready for tomorrow, I just assumed that meant that we were on the same page. <laughs> it's yeah. funny that that one crucial text was the one that didn't make it through the mm -hmm. the uh, exchange. Because when that's 
that rarely happens, but we often have the thing where you send way too many texts to me that's the same text. Um, yeah, not yeah, you, I don't know what phone. that's about. Um, yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, getting to the final thing here, I have my... I, I will say when you, when you, when I got the text on last Wednesday of like, so what do you think, nine? And I was like, ah, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, I would say both of us had our notes locked and loaded, but uh, it just wasn't to be. So anyway, as promised, uh, I have my review of The Leftovers. I'm going to do it very nearly spoiler-free because I think I'm going to officially sanction this as something that you and Kim should watch together. Oh, okay. Um, well, I told you the last time we talked two weeks ago that I had two episodes left, and I said I, I don't know well, I don't know why the two of you wouldn't enjoy watching it. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I have a, a decent bead on what she would like to watch with you or at least would give a chance mm. to watch with you um there's i think you guys would be very interested about this uh, at the end maybe you would love it maybe you would be like oh yeah it was fine or some point in between i don't think you'll completely hate it um no. but uh yeah i think that you should watch it so i'm going to hold back on the spoilers and for anyone who wants to listen to this who hasn't watched it yet um we will probably have a more spoiler filled one in the Hopefully, finally return of the Spin Shoot Sports Show next week, uh, as I will be having Gary guest host with me, and nice. he was the one who pushed me towards watching the show when I did, so... Gergich? No, not, not <laughs> Jerry, Gary, Gary, Gergich. I think there was a Larry in there, too, at one point. Yep. Um, so, if I were to boil down the synopsis of the show into one sentence, it would be this. What do you do when the world ends around you, but you have to keep living? Uh, I fully expected you to say, do... (laughs) (laughs) For a claw knife bar. Uh, Go on. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry to be disappointed. Um, Can you read that one more time and adjust it, please? What do you do... (laughs) (laughs) When the world ends... (laughs) Nice. Um... This is a show about the many relationships that one faces in their life. So that kind of lends a universal universality to it because you can once you strip past the heightened circumstances of all of this, you see oh, this could have been me, you know, if it wasn't talking about the world ending, if it was this smaller crisis that only affected my family, not billions of people around the world. But transposing it into that circumstance makes it for an interesting way to look at it where you can kind of, you, you're, you're approaching it from a different direction but then realizing that you've arrived in the same destination, right? Mm-hmm. But there are so many other bells and whistles going on in some way or other that keeps you hooked in a way that just a conventional drama may not. Though, a lot of it is very strongly written. I know I had had some complaints early on um, and those things really were more of the mysterious angle of the bells and whistles. It wasn't about the actual relationship stuff. Those things were almost universally well-written from start to finish. Um, it really comes down to people dealing with trauma. And in this case, it was 170 million people disappearing in an instant or something. I think I have the number right or something like that. Um, it was 2% of the population of the world disappeared in literally one instant and no one knows where they went. If you take right. each of those people's traumas individually and you made it to, oh, my father is not here anymore, or I lost my my husband and all of my and my kids, and it's just me, and 
all the other relationships I maintain in my life are the only way, the only lifeline I have to continue to live. But in this case, it's like as if every one of them had that happen. Everyone knew someone who disappeared. It may not have been right. a relationship. It may have been your husband. It may have been your father. It may have been your next door yeah. neighbor. Someone had someone that you lost for whatever degree of separation it was. Like a universally shared trauma. Yes. So yeah. from that angle, I found this to be a really compelling watch. That's kind of cool. Okay. Yes. Um, the performances are almost unanimously flawless in the show. Really? The cast is really strong, even though they aren't all super well-known actors and actresses. Um, this was the star-making vehicle for Carrie Coon, who's gone on to bigger and better things continually. Um, you know who she, you know who she is, right? No, um, not by name. Do you did you watch any of Fargo? No, I didn't. Okay, she was in season two of Fargo. Uh, did you see Gone Girl? Up. I did. She played Ben Affleck's twin sister in that. Oh, okay. And not that you would recognize her, but she was one of the... Were they the Outriders? What was the name of the Thanos's... Like, he had like oh, his... she's Proxima Midnight, right? Yes. Uh, really? Really? What? We talk about these movies for hours, and I, I've drawn a blank on what they're called. Uh, weren't they the, were they the Outriders or something like that? Or the... That's not... I don't think that's it. Don't think, son of a bitch. All right, keep going though. Uh, <laughs> well, you look that up while I'm continuing on with I, this, I'm I guess. Um, so yeah, Justin Thoreau is is I guess the technically the lead of the show, although the two of them kind of become co leads by the end of the show. Um, and I don't think of him as being Black Order. The Black Order, okay. The Outriders is something. Maybe it was. Maybe that might have been a DC thing. I might have had a real faux pas there. Uh, <laughs> um, he, uh, he, sorry, uh, I know, I don't think uh, of, she was in the post also. Was she? Did I you forgot. say that? No, I forgot she was in that. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't think of Justin Thoreau as like a big time actor, but he was really good in this and he was okay. basically one of the leads from the start to finish. There was, um, Christopher Eccleston, who it's funny. We that were just talking familiar. about 28 days later. He's the military commander at the end. Okay. Um, he was also... Destro in the G.I. Joe movie for whatever oh that God. matters. G.I. Joe movies. Yeah, the the first one. The one that was actually kind of fun. I wouldn't say good yeah. per se, yeah. but it was kind fun of fun. Fun is the right word. Um, and there's a handful of other people who pop up who... Uh, oh, Scott Glenn plays um, Justin Thoreau's father, but he's on it sporadically throughout the end run, and by the end he becomes a much bigger... He's always a big deal, but he doesn't have a ton of screen time. Um, yeah, they all freaking nail it, start to finish. Um, even though some of the character beats themselves fell short by the end of it, I felt like I disagreed with some of the things that they chose to do with them. Mm. But the performances were really good, like from start to finish. Like they hook you the the way they. None of them ever. I I never felt any of them overacted in any of it. And there was some times where it almost felt soap opera y a little bit. But okay. then you back up and it's like, oh no, like that person's entire family's gone. You know what I mean? Or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a little dramatic. Yeah, you're gonna it's going to be. Yeah. Um, it never quite got to the point of being overly so. But like, it, it did skirt the line occasionally. Uh, oh, I forgot Liv Tyler was in it too. She was pretty big deal for most of the show as well. Um, I thought that it was interesting 
watching the there's 28 episodes it was two two seasons of 10 episodes and the final season was eight episodes they pivoted with pretty stunning speed past the first season um in this the beginning of the second season i think i alluded to in our last episode they just yeah. up and moved the whole show to texas mm-hmm. and like the important people of the main cast stayed they added a bunch of new important cast members a lot of whom maintained their way into the third season not all of them um and they just completely sloughed off the whole like secondary cast that took place in New York. Actually, the the show took place like not far from where I live in the first season. Oh. Um, well, I don't know if the town itself was real, but um, and I actually never bothered to look it up. But ostensibly, it took place about a half hour from where I live. Um, and I think it was shot there too because there were some things. Um, there was a supermarket that's like not like a big chain. It's actually a local chain. It's like oh, mm. like they had to have literally been shooting it here. Because, like, there's no way they would have, like, got that shit. They would have just made it, like, shop right. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> it could have been anything. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It could have been Hannaford or ShopRite or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but no, there was, like, there's a small local chain, like, that's only in the Hudson Valley. And, like, there was stuff from it in the fridge. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I think at one point there might have been a shot of the Tappan Zee Bridge. Um, so. But, the Tappan uh, Zee. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> And the, another thing I found interesting about it, um, oh, and, and they broadened and narrowed the scope depending on what they needed to do, because by the end of the third season, a lot of it takes place in Australia. Um, and also, multiple storylines are happening in, like, New York, Texas. Oh, no, sorry, they had gotten rid of New York all completely at that point. But, like, Texas and Australia at the same time. Multiple places in Australia were multiple things going on, plus some other stuff that I don't want to get into. Um but another thing I thought was interesting about it is they would do these one-shot episodes. And early in the show, I was a little irritated by them because I was like, no, 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 like keep on like the track of where you're going. Like This is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Give me more. By the end of it, I enjoyed it because I understood where it fit, fit in its bit bigger perspective. Because like, okay. like the third or fourth episode of the first season, after occasionally having Chris Eccleston like in it, they devote an entire episode just to his perspective. Hmm. And I was like, huh. That's weird because he's like had a sum total of like twelve minutes of screen time the first three episodes, and it didn't feel Walking Deady. It didn't feel what? Walking Deady. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> not not by the end of the episode because okay. you understood where it all fit in. Uh, right. Oh, right. That crucial piece. Yeah. So like it mattered. <laughs> well, yeah, like when the when the episode ends and you just go, "What? Yeah, the episode the hell I'm... was that all about?" <laughs> Spoiler alert for the whatever it was third or fourth episode. He didn't die at the end of the entire episode they devoted to him. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Man. Um, I told you earlier we would talk about music. The music is fucking fantastic in this. Yes. Um, and they're that, judi- can, that can make a movie. That yes. can soar you from a 7 to a 10. Like, that's... It, <laughs> it really is. And, like, they were judicious because there's only a handful of actual themes in the show. Like, three or four recurring themes. Mm-hmm. But they are so good that every time they use them, it's like, there's that good stuff right there. Like... Give it to me. Inject it right into my veins right now. Um, but even more specifically, I found what they did. There was some really cool stuff that they did with the specifically like the title themes. The uh-huh. first season's title sequence is literally art. Literally and metaphorically art. Um, because they do it in the style of... Fuck, I meant to look this up to get the specific name for it and I forgot to do it. So they shoot it like it's like a fresco in the Sistine Chapel. Uh-huh. And it's like up in the clouds, like kind of like a like a picture of like angel type stuff. 
and but it's the main cast in it, even though it's like it's like painted. Well, I guess it's computer generated, but it looks like a painting of like a fresco. Yeah, yeah. And there's all these people, and there's like these scenes of like struggle and strife, and they're like up in the clouds. It looks like this like sunny like landscape, like up in like like you would expect to see in a, at the top of a church. And they do that like type of like animation or like cinematography where the things aren't actually moving but because of the way they play with like the field of vision it looks like it's like moving and stuff like that and like subtly it is but like it's not like a frame by frame thing of like actual movement uh-huh it's not stop motion but you know you know what i'm talking about right where like they kind of like play with your like perspective on yeah, the like shot parallax maybe if i'm not sure if that's yeah, what that's like called. where like where like the different areas move at different speeds Yes. And they kind of have like a, yeah, like a, a strange depth effect because of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the music during the title sequence is incredible paired with the visual as mm. well. I was like, wow, this is fucking amazing. Like to nice. the point where like I didn't even want to skip it at the beginning of episodes. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. Yeah. That, and then, that's pretty good. <laughs> and, then, and then season two, they completely did a separate thing. And I actually angrily texted Gary and was like... Why the fuck? Who signed off on this? This changes horseshit. Yes. <laughs> now the funny thing is, by the end of the season, it did grow on me, even though I didn't like it as much as the season mm. one. It was um, the song they used was "Let the Mystery Be" by Iris Dement, which I guess was a like an actual song that existed that they licensed for it. Like I don't think it was actually made for it, but it's okay. pretty perfect for it. And what they did was, it was like it looked like if you were flipping through like people's like um, photo albums. Uh, but they like kind of like watercolored it a little bit, I think, and they faded people out of the pictures as it was going through because of all the people disappearing. Um, and it was it was just like a cool, but then the third <laughs> season was completely inspired. So the first episode, they just don't do a title sequence. Ooh, and then every episode, they did the same title cards is the second season with like the photo album thing but a different song each time so this is a little 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 bit of a spoiler in i think it was in the first episode do you know the show perfect strangers i think it was in the, it ran in the 80s uh yeah balky and larry i absolutely do <laughs> so there's a kind of a joke early in the show that all the whole main cast of perfect strangers all disappeared but then they find Mark Lynn Baker in hiding in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and so the thing was that he faked his disappearance because the other three main characters all disappeared. And he felt, I don't know if it was like he felt left out or guilty that he was still there. <laughs> so <laughs> That's pretty funny. So in the second episode, Mark Lynn Baker is actually in the show. And I won't say why. But the title song they play over the season two thing is the Perfect Strangers theme song. Oh, man. That's cool. Which, which you didn't know that Mark Lindbaker was going to be in it, but it tips it off that he's, that he's in it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then the third episode, they do... You know the song Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode? Yeah. They do that, but yeah. it's actually the Richard Cheese version. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then they do some other ones. They did This Love Is Over by Ray LaMontagne. That one I wasn't familiar with. I looked them up for the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. um, then the next one they did was A Shrey by Banzion Miller, who I, th I think that's the name of one of like, it's like a prayer or like a call to prayer in like the Jewish faith. And I'm probably getting this wrong. Oh. Um, and so he, apparently he's like one of like the most acclaimed like singers of that style. 
And it's, it is literally like a chant type thing that takes place over the course of like the, the title thing. And then the next episode was 1-800-SUICIDE by Gravediggers. Oh my god. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I, uh, no. I hadn't heard of it, but I looked it up. It was, like, the, oh, okay. I, it was the Gravediggers that got me. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> um, it was an interesting choice. Um, and then for the final two episodes, they go back and they continue using the season two title cards with the season one song played over it. And then the final okay. episode was just the traditional season two with Let the Mystery Be go over it. I thought it was really cool because there is a good tie very to thoughtful. all of those things. Yeah, no, like it was all yeah. done for a reason. I like that. Yeah, it was really cool. But this is... It's a show about existential dread and how we, we handle these things in our mm-hmm. life that are... Terrible, and you again, like I said, it's really driving home the point of the universality of these problems. Even doing the fish out of water thing of putting it into this surreal, heightened circumstance. Um, and then the final thing I'll let you off on, which I, I found very interesting. If you look at IMDb, the thing was written differently. But when you're when you look on HBO, and I think it's at the official tag somewhere, the synopsis when I went to play the final episode for the final episode was the series finale. Nothing is answered. Everything is answered. And then it ends. <laughs> That's the official synopsis for the final episode on HBO. Wow. That's that's really funny. So what I'm getting out of this, which I think is interesting, is you're... I, as you were watching through... It's three seasons. Yes. As you were going through it, you would check in periodically. And you didn't... Like... You felt kind of good, but you didn't know exactly where you were going to stand coming out of it. And yeah. I, I think I'm hearing is that this is a really long movie, and you needed the whole picture to yes. make that decision. And I think that's okay for an HBO-style show that's only going to be three seasons. I think that's actually fine. Yeah. Um, but that's, that is interesting, though. Like, you... I, it, it was fun to watch you go up and down and be like, it's, you know, it's good. Uh, I don't know if it's for everyone. Like, oh, like, I think you like this. I think you might be, like, I'm definitely going to finish it. And then to go, you should watch this. Yeah. <laughs> By um, the end. <laughs> I will say, it's funny, because I rem- the reason I, it had re-piqued my interest from, I remember when the show was first coming out. I was interested, and I just didn't get a chance to get to it. And then I had heard some complaints and I think they largely paralleled the ones that I myself went through in that first season. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess it was a good thing I didn't watch it. And then I didn't hear much about it in the second season. And then I heard a little bit about it in the third season. And then I heard almost unanimous adoration for the finale. Mm-hmm. I don't completely agree. Um, I liked the finale. I thought it was good. But I think... And it's tough for me to talk around the specifics in this case, but like they said, everything is answered and nothing is answered. And that, as paradoxical as it is, is fair. Hmm. We needed, or at least I needed, a couple more answers about a few specific things. It didn't have to be everything. Uh But there was a couple of specific things that either I felt weren't answered sufficiently or weren't answered in the way that I wanted them to be. Okay. Like, I just I just expect, expected at that point to there to be more. And mm-hmm. there was plenty of instances during the course of it where they chose, and it was obvious that it was a choice, to not fully explain what was going on at the time. 
just to let you like to leave it ambiguous for you to try and interpret it the way you want to and i'm good with that sort of thing but mm-hmm. there was just a couple of crucial elements that i would have liked something more concrete on gotcha you know what i mean yeah yeah and i sure. think they kind of acknowledge i watched after it there was like a five minute like or might have been even a little longer like post like show featurette about it like mm-hmm. from the the show was run by damon lindelof who people know from lost he worked with jj abrams and that and tom parada who wrote the book that the first season was based on which i didn't actually realize when i started watching the show that it was based on and it's become it became pretty obvious knowing that looking back oh yeah no they clearly went into new territory in season two and three I never read the book. I don't know anything about it. But it became pretty obvious that they chose... That was why that some of those pivots happened the way they did. Mm, which I'm okay. fine with. Maybe if I had read the books, it would have pissed me off. I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> the guy who wrote it was involved in the show from start to finish. Um, co-wrote a bunch of the scripts. He was an executive oh. producer. You know what I mean? Like That's cool. So I like that. It had his kind of blessing, which was... Yeah, his, it's a little seal of approval. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... It seemed like they really teed a lot of things up to be more at the mm. end. And, and some, then some no, of those not, not enough payoff. Some of those things didn't have enough payoff. And some of them, it was pretty obvious how they chose to change the direction of where it was going. Mm. Which I'm okay yeah, with. Um, it just... I found the finale to be very good. I found the show overall to be very good. But it just missed the mark of where it could have been like transcendent for me. Gotcha. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, could you could you give it a, a score out of ten? I'd probably go eight. That's that that's great for for the whole the totality yeah. of the show. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's there's that's, something there's something that I want to talk about in a lot more depth or certain things, but I can't talk about it. So it'll be going after, heavily into spoilers. So some after of, some I of, watch it, we'll yeah. do it as like a bookend of an episode. It'll be like a post-credits thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could do it. Cause Our post-credits there, leftovers. It's basically my favorite episodes I can't talk about. Like, gotcha. at all. Gotcha. Okay. Which season? What? What season was it in? Uh, seasons two and three. Because it's okay. the third. It's like a theme. The third, yeah. Well, they're all they all have something in common that I can't gotcha. discuss. If it's either the second or they started to blur a little bit to me. The, is it the second or third to last episode? The audacity of what they get into, um, and just the way they 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 handled the episode start to finish was incredible to me. Um, but I, I literally can't talk about any of it. At all. <laughs> there's no way around it. <laughs> there, no, it's not. It, to no, do it would be to spoil like the very nature of the show. That's fair. I appreciate you not doing that. Uh, awesome. I'm actually... You have me excited to watch it. Uh, I uh, I started watching... I, like, I'll like. i have to see like how... Gage Kim's interest in it. Um, and Maybe it is something that I watch on my own, but it's, she'll, she'll probably want to watch it with me. I Well, uh, uh, the funny thing is, in our next episode, I'm going to give you a review. I already finished Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, so, it's funny because... That's, that's just for me? That's going to definitely be just for you. Okay, got um, it. But um, I not having a ton of foreknowledge of either of those shows. The fact that I watched the two of them back to back, it's funny how the universe speaks to you sometimes. Uh, <laughs> because my well, before our conversation about the the message board thing happened, I already had 
a intro for myself for this episode, and it was going to be that I got myself lost down a rabbit hole of existential dread. Because <laughs> I watched those two shows back to back, and then I watched the movie Burning, which we had discussed. Oh, you watched that? Yes. Um, and I watched those things back to back, and I'm oh, just like, damn, dude. I am like lost in all of this, and I didn't even realize that all these things were going to be about the same thing, kind of. <laughs> like, I had no knowledge. That's of amazing. Like, like, at the end of each one, I was like, oh, wow, like, there's a lot of similarities to like the big, big picture stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like the core value of what these things are about, stripping beyond the specifics of plot and detail and all that. For clarity, uh, burning, that's the Steven Yeun. Yes, Burning is the, the Steven Yeun movie. Um, it's a Korean movie, uh, great, gratefully. Uh, um, it's on Netflix and it has su- subtitles. Um, cause was I, it good or was it a mud pie? <laughs> uh, it was, it was <laughs> and good. There, and there's two. <laughs> it, it was good. It wasn't quite what i expected okay i don't want to say too much and, and spoil it it, it was yeah, good yeah. you should watch it oh i'll um, watch that for sure. it's on netflix so it's easy nice. we can All do right. it for an episode so accessible bless yes. you netflix <laughs> um, well but the problem was after my after the debacle that was a quiet place for me personally <laughs> um i started watching a very this. quiet place yeah yeah uh, they had that on the plane that was one of the options. Yeah, they have subtitles on for that too. <laughs> so they ran through the credit scene at sequence of burning, and it's all in Korean characters, which totally understand. Mm. Um, and then the thing started, and there was no like specific dialogue in the first scene, but there's plenty of voices speaking. Mm-hmm. And there was no subtitles, and I'm like, oh no, do I gotta put them on? Oh god, don't make me go through this again. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, even though there absolutely was, I didn't have to specifically turn on subtitles. There was once nice. it got to the actual dialogue stuff. Um, I think I basically would have gotten all of it without it. It just oh, yeah? would have been really very visual. Like visual storytelling would have gotten you there, or visual and tone, mm-hmm. body language. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, tone of voice and body language. It's well acted. It's really concerned. The majority of it concerns itself with three people. It's Steven Yeun and then two actual, like, Korean. Well, I guess technically he was born in Korea. And... No, but, like, I think of him wow, as... Wow, guy. <laughs> no, I think of him as Korean-American because, like, he's an yeah, American citizen, no, I... like, grew up in America. Yeah, yeah. I got But you. I I'm think he was actually born in Korea and moved over when he was, like, three or something like that. No, the other two actors are, or actor and actress, are, like, born and lived their whole life in South Korea and, like... Gotcha. Um... But uh, you know, it was a it was a good solid movie. I think we should do that coming up. I figured I would give that as cool. kind of a, a post, you know, script here for this whole yeah, situation like is to tease that that might be coming up and to to put it on your radar. But yeah, watching those three things: the leftovers, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and then um, Burning. Uh, in some ways, all of them deal with like the sense of self and how we deal with crisis in our life. Um, and I was like, man, I could not have picked three more, like, thematically similar things in a row if I tried. Like, I literally could not have picked things that fit together more perfectly than those three things. Nice. And nice. I very much did not plan Nice that or, like that. or terrible for you. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch something. I think I'm going to watch something later after this. <laughs> Dude, just put a comedy on. Put something yeah. real dumb on. I, well, I think I'm going to finally get into Good Omens. Okay. Uh, and that's also short, so even if I yeah. happen to have picked something else, that's the exact same thing. It's only like five or six episodes, so... <laughs> awesome. Cool. With that, 
Shall we get into our flick of the week? Yes. Spider-Man Far From Home, 2019. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. Here's our, that's your IMDb synopsis. Pretty vague, uh, but accurate. Here's what I, this is a, this is a pre-spoilers it's warning. chunky. Is that we're going to talk pre-spoilers for a bit, but I can't guarantee anything about Endgame. Yeah, no, um, we have so. to leave ourselves, the, like guys, if you haven't seen Endgame, there's going to be yeah, a spoiler threat. Because yeah. you can't, you can't have this movie without Endgame. It's the, yeah, even though it's and kind you know of. What, that's our PSA is you don't, don't act like, don't go see this first. Yeah. That would suck. It's funny because originally they had kind of said that Endgame was going to be the end of Phase 3, but instead this is the technical end of Phase 3, and that works mm-hmm. because it's essentially the epilogue. Yeah. It's really, it's so good. Uh, but let's start there. It's so good. Do you have a tweet length review? I already did my tweet. <laughs> I oh, could just right. read I that. I saw the tweet. Um, I forgot to, but I can kind of craft it from my first note here, I think. Let's hear it. Uh, I'll Let's just hear read it. you what my first note is. Continuing the theme of successful superhero movies in the MCU, this is not a superhero movie. Or at least, it's not specifically only a superhero movie. It's a superhero movie grafted onto a high school trip movie. Yep. Um, yeah. Because that's what this is. Is what, what follows a high school comedy? It's a high school trip movie. Mm-hmm. It, like road trip type of thing, you know what I mean? Um, even if Nick Fury ends up hijacking. Yeah, yeah, yes. So uh, my and that's from the trailer, original, guys. That's like, not a spoiler. Yeah, my original quick review was uh, an incredibly funny, visceral, and emotional journey abroad with some minor hiccups that turned out to be completely intentional and extraordinarily executed. And I wanted to read that again because I, there's a couple bullet points that are in there. The first was I said visceral. There was a reason for this. A uh, fun fact: this is, has to do with my viewing experience of the movie. Uh, I went to my buddies wanted to see it. They bought the tickets. They're like, "Come meet us on Staten Island." Great. Went there. New theater. Right over the bridge. Super close. Cool. Uh, didn't know there was anything special about this theater. Um, just, you know, regular reclined seats. And I'm just... <clears throat> uh, after I waited 30 minutes for popcorn. Um, <laughs> I So I'm sitting in the chair. Movie starts. You know, it's going, it's going, it's going. We're about like halfway through, I feel like. And something like action-packed starts to happen. And there is a legitimate rumble in my pants and i was like and i just i froze like my body froze and i looked to the right and my friend james was looking at me waiting for my reaction apparently the seats that we were in are wired to rumble with certain levels of bass like (laughs) rumble rumble and i was like what is happening like there was no warning It was a very bizarre way to experience that movie. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> so that, that was the visceral Actually, part. The, I, you know, talking about the specific like experiencing of watching this movie, mm. I was really confused because I sat down in my seat right as the trailer started rolling. And they played the full trailer for this movie before the movie screened. So did you check to see if you're in the right theater? Yes, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I had a moment's panic attack because I knew I was getting there right no, no, in no. the nick of time. Yeah, I'm late. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Is there... 
No, this is the movie I'm supposed to be watching. Why is this trailer running before? This is a sick game. Uh, yeah, so there's there's that. That was the visceral piece of it. Uh, some hiccups I had mentioned that turned out to be intentional. We'll get into those. That's in post spoiler territory. Well, if we want to keep talking about pre spoiler stuff, I want to stick with the kind of thing that uh, I mentioned. Um, this reminded me of a 2019 update of like the John Hughes like 80s yeah man high school comedy movies right i think that's why i loved it so much it's clearly inspired by those movies but updated for the current times absolutely i i I adore those movies and actually my first pre-spoiler bullet point was peter and mj are so adorably awkward it makes me warm and fuzzy (laughs) (laughs) well they totally nailed that sort of thing like the, the the you know the stuff with with ned and his relationship with Peter, his relationship with the rest of the, the, the classmates, the uh, well, I, I, te- I didn't know if that was technically a spoiler, so I don't nah. know to talk about it yet. Um, the whole thing with the awkward teachers, chaperoning. Oh my again, god, Martin Starr, man! Very 2019, you know what I mean? Like Martin Starr and JB Smoove as the as the chaperones on the school trip were they were just this incredible comedy routine. See, I that was my one thing because you didn't like can, it. We can get into it more after um, the spoilers, but I felt like everyone got something to do. Except JB. And I feel like that's kind of his role in like a lot of movies. Like, I feel like a lot of movies don't know how to like deploy him. He's just, he, I actually think that it's intentional. He's like an off screen voice most of the time. And it's usually like delivering a very like tongue in cheek joke. <laughs> well, because like, I know like he's like, like a thing, like he's popular, like people mm-hmm. seem to like him. And I was like, but why? Like, all these roles I've seen him in, like, he hasn't done much in. And it was only when I finally saw... I sat down and watched all of Curb Your Enthusiasm. They let him actually do stuff in that show. He's really fucking funny. He is funny. Uh, like, I, I know you haven't gotten into that show at all, but, like... Mm-hmm. He's really good in that show, and I feel like they... Like, every other role, it's just... It's it's cementing my opinion on that. that they just don't know how to use him in so many other things. Yeah, I, 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 maybe I. I feel I like he was they know how to use him. Sure, that, and that's like, and that's fair. But I feel but like he, everyone else got something to do in the movie, and he like he had a couple of like good lines, not great lines, but like 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 you said, Martin Starr, like he totally oh owned that role, like like an, an expansion of what he did in the first movie. Like he was like perfect for that. Like what's his name? The the guy. What was his name in? Um, in Grand Budapest, is it Zero? Right? Was that was uh-huh. that his name? He's so good as as this version of Flash. The uh-huh. the whole thing with oh my god, Spider Man follows me on Snapchat, <laughs> was yeah, it on Instagram, whichever it was. Like. Oh my god, when I, when I, when he calls his followers the Flash Mob, I was that got me. That got a chuckle up. Uh, um, like everyone has Spider Man follows me. <laughs> yeah, everyone in this movie, like who like got more than one line, got something to do in this movie. Except for JB, I feel like. And I will say, I, I understand where you're coming from, though I will say he was used in a, to really good effect for punctuating all like a lot of jokes. He punctuated a lot of the jokes about the other chaperone, which I thought was really fun. I thought that was a cool usage there of that was... character. Because overall, you don't actually need that. You didn't need the second chaperone. That's what, That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like He was yeah. like under... like he, They didn't give him... A reason to justify him being there, whereas I, I felt like everyone else who was part of the entourage got at least one moment where it's like, oh, that's why they're there. You know what I mean? Like, that's fair. If not more than one. Um, 
We're not going to say too much about Ned because we don't want to get into spoiler territory, but I will say that he is now, always has been, and forever will be a gem. Oh, I was going to say FOS. Friend of Spider-Man. <laughs> the first friend of Spider-Man. Yeah. I love, uh, I love how it became, you know, first he was the guy in the chair. Yeah. And now he's evolved to FOS, friend of Spider-Man. One of my favorite scenes from Homecoming was when he kicks and spins the chair. He goes to the other side of the room. <laughs> what are you doing in here? Looking at porn? <laughs> that, that was his... And I think that was I think that was something I said too when we when we did our review of it last was it, was that two years ago already now? Oh my god, yeah, I think um, so. I know it was one of the, the things I said that that was a safer answer than what he was actually doing. Yep, is so perfectly comedically written. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is like a great like homage, like superhero homage to the John Hughes movies because there's just so many. Yeah. Like, it's almost an anti-joke, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny in its own right. And, like, that's really clever, like, dialogue, like, script writing. And there's a lot of that in these two movies. John Watts... I think that he isn't great framing some of the big action set pieces. Yeah. But he totally nails the minute-to-minute relationship of these kids and the people who are in these kids' orbits to the standpoint of happy hogan or tony stark in the first one or you know in aunt may in this one or the the chaperones whatever like mm-hmm. all of those relationships are well developed and uh, are allowed to shine for what they are through the script even if he doesn't totally nail the action like they're fine but a lot of it's kind of ultimately f- like they're not transcending what we've what we've seen before with the exception of and that we'll get into a more post spoiler. The one really trippy scene mm-hmm. crushed that scene. Yeah. But the other big action sequences were kind of run of the mill. Like yeah, they were yeah. fine. They weren't bad. They just weren't special. So another person we need to talk about pre spoilers. Uh, you know where I where I have always stood with Jake Gyllenhaal. I think and... so. It's probably similar to well, I, I guess. In more recent memory, you maybe have started to come around, but uh, that's like fair. A, a half a step behind where I was because I feel like we started at the same point. Our timelines have just been a little bit different, and I really didn't care for him, and he's grown on me. And Let me be like perfectly clear: he won me over in this movie. Okay, one hundred percent on board with him as an actor and his skill set. Well, it did sound like overall, maybe you didn't like it as much as I did, but it sounded like you did kind of enjoy Enemy and his portrayal of the I thought he yeah I he yeah. that's for that you know that started That's where it started to turn and they cemented it. it and yeah because you know what it is he's been typecasted as mopey annoying guy for a very long time and he's now become a completely different typecast yeah. psychopath that he was I he was so insanely charismatic in this movie Did you see Nightcrawler? No, I want to now though. So what I'll say about it this and that movie is He's playing the exact same role, except mm. he's devilishly clever in how he hides it in this one up until he needs he doesn't need to anymore. Yeah. He doesn't hide it very well in Nightcrawler. You always know there's something wrong. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to watch that. That uh, movie was fine. The unfortunately, to a certain extent, the movie that I would most closely associated with was Good Time. 
Yeah. <laughs> Are you there? Are you there? Because you actually... It was a perfect timing for it, but you the audio cut out for a second. Oh, I just said... Eh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say overall it's a better movie than that, but there are to my mind a lot of similarities between the path that it charts and the tone that it strikes oh, row. but uh no but well one thing is it's a shorter movie and it's much like snappier pace uh okay. it's it's ultimately i found it to be just more interesting than good time but mm. when you consider the character it's following there are some similarities um to the like two. following just like a generally bad person yes and that it's like the narrative is itself kind of a little bit more freeform. That it's not like tightly structured. Gotcha. That from those two perspectives, there are a lot of similarities. But I found I didn't really love Nightcrawler, but I did find it interesting, and his performance is very good. Um, but when I was done watching this movie, I was like, oh yeah, he's kind of found a new way to repackage that character. Right. But in a much more charismatic skin. I will. Uh, that makes me more interested to watch it, even just from that lens. It's not. It's not a very first. long movie. It's worth you, like you can knock it out quick, and it's like okay, like that was interesting. I'm glad I watched it, and I never need to see it again. Like, gotcha. Uh, so one of the notes that I had was that the movie has a slow start, and I will say that it's intentional. Um, it has a it has a slow start, but more importantly, are we still pre spoilers? We are. Spoilers? We are. We're pre spoilers. Is it spoilers when we're talking about the first sequence of the movie, though? I'm not going to get too far into it. I'm just going to say it starts... I'm not going to describe it at all. The movie starts off slow. And the reason and the, the, the effect that it has is your bearings are... You're, you're, it's knocking you off balance a little bit because that's how you're supposed to be right now after Endgame. Well, that's how Peter is after Endgame. Yeah, right. And I... And I it, it always catches me by surprise that they can do something that puts me into the emotional state that I need to be in to appreciate where the rest of the movie is going. Well, I want to, the reason I wanted to bring up the specifics of the... And I guess I can still be pretty vague about it then, is... It literally starts off with a... In memoriam for the heroes we lost in Endgame. Which was yeah. fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one specific... Two specific parts of it that I really want to talk about. So, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get into it real soon. I have two more notes that I need to make before we get into, into spoiler territory. Uh, lots of twists and turns in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some predictable, some maybe not. I was going to say, I don't know that many... That maybe, yeah, there's there are very few, I feel like, that weren't predictable, or at least like you, you could figure them out like just before they happen. I will say a lot of the predictability goes along with your own personal mileage of what you know about yeah. the history of Mysterio in uh, many different forms. Agreed. And then uh, the other piece is not related to the movie itself, but my viewing experience. And uh, here's a little insight into how shitty the island I grew up on is. Uh, there <laughs> well, is a... Just to be clear, it, it its origination was literally to be the dump for all of New York City. So... Yeah. so the, uh, you might not be familiar with Staten Island. You might not be familiar with Staten Island bros. Uh... <laughs> Wait, you I mean of, everyone, everyone in the world hasn't watched my new haircut? Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean that documentary they made? It was a documentary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, if you haven't watched guys, that, just guys, go ahead and Google you, that before I tell the story. I was going to say, if you're, like, because we're both, you know, you're just over 30, I'm not quite 30, like, um, if you're 10 years younger than us, and for some reason you've stumbled upon this monstrosity of a show that we do, 
Um, look up that video because it literally would be before your time and it's only referenced in the way that we did. Like, oh, that, that video, My New Haircut. Look up My New Haircut. It is a great way to spend eight minutes. And it will give you everything you need to know about uh, Staten Island. You know what's funny? I'm glad that we went on this because I was about to go say what get into it and realize that there's a portion of this that actually relates to spoilers, so I can't do it until we lift uh, the veil. Okay. So let's let's lift the veil now okay. so I can finish the story, and then we'll get into the beginning of the movie. The veil has been lifted. We're spoilers here on out, folks. So uh, there were people, you know, shouting stupid things here and there, laughing obnoxiously, like, you know, it wasn't a real laugh. Like, stupid things like that. That's a fake laugh. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. the realest, <laughs> sincere laugh I've ever had yeah. in my life. <laughs> um, just, you know, anything to get attention. That's pretty much... And the movie theater was was full. And the end of the movie... Uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit deeper later, but uh, Talos and his wife... What's his wife's name? Uh, oh, shit. I can't remember. What, something her, with her an name. S. But uh, the two of them, um, the Cree, right? Are they Cree or no, is it the scrolls. scrolls? Those two scrolls are there, and uh, it's a it's a great scene. And at the end of it, credits roll, and then you hear this just douchebag, who I'm pretty sure had his friend set him up so that he could tell this uh, this jokes so that should just just end him. But um, Soren, Soren. So how could we forget? Uh, it's very close to other things. And so, who, one of his buddies goes, who's that? Oh, he said, those two guys are, uh, they're from that, that shitty one with the chick that no one cared about. That's <laughs> how he described Captain Marvel. Of and course I was did. like, fuck. Like, we were this close to this experience being, okay, and you just ruined it. You ruined it. Like, I, I was right. I shouldn't have come. That you know, like, like what is like what is this person exists? Like you can dislike something, yeah. But they're telling this guy is just a misogynistic asshole, and yeah. it was really it it man, it got right under my skin, and like as we're, I just as we're walking out, filled with natives, I was like, fuck this island. <laughs> ah, I. It's, it bothered me so much. Anyway, it was just I, I had to share that with you. Uh, see, watch my my the haircut thing, and you'll it's accurate. Once again, it's my new haircut, and new haircut. Uh, I mean, like, there's some definitely really legitimately funny stuff from that video. <laughs> it's mostly bad though. So let's get into the beginning of the movie. Go on. Well, no, 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 no. You know what? We're here. Let's do post credits. Okay. Um, that I'm so glad they did that one. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. I thought I was the only one. I was like, man, is it just like a John Watts thing? Because this Fury is like the butt of all the jokes. That's not really like... He's had his moments of comedic effect. Even he was the butt of some jokes in Captain Marvel. But it's a different experience because it's a different Fury. He's a very young mm -hmm. Fury who hasn't seen some shit yet. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and to a degree, the performance almost felt phoned in a little bit. I wouldn't say phoned in, but it definitely looked like... He was doing a distinctly different... Like, it looked like he was yeah. just like, oh, I'm just gonna go have some fun and, like, fuck Which, off. You know what I when mean? When you like, find out why, good on you, man, pulling that off. Like That is <laughs> one of the most excellent long cons in a movie. Yes. I've seen. Like, 
Totally different circumstance, but as good as a long con as I've seen since like the usual suspects. Yeah. <laughs> when when they when they reveal themselves in the car, I went, oh, I was like, wow, makes this makes sense. so much more yes. sense. <laughs> That's so good. Now, when they call in to Nick, do you think that he was like, I don't care how we do it? This Samuel Jackson. I don't care how we do it, but I want to wear the fat suit. Do you think that's what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was him. Him in front of. I was the just fake... a little. I was just a little disappointed he wasn't on an actual beach. Like, man, make the most of your vacation. Like, get yeah. some actual sand between your toes. Like, get some real sea breeze going. And like, man, it's like CGI. Like, that's not great. <laughs> that was awesome though. Uh, so that's one of the post credits thing. The other post one, both. First of all. This one re-raised the fucking bar because it's been a while since we got really excellent, yeah, post-credit scenes. I mean, there's been good ones, but like to so consistently like nail them like this with for two things: one, just the overall quality of them; two, their import on the larger like world of what's going on here; and three, both of them being real, genuine surprises. Like, yeah, a lot of them. You kind of know what's coming. Hang on. Three genuine surprises post-credits, but yes, two scenes. Um, we can say one and two because Mariah, or Maria Hill was one of the... No, uh, no, no okay, four then. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no. So, first of all, I love that in the swinging of Spider-Man that it's not clearly a mannequin this time. Yep. Holding, holding me. <laughs> Wind is going in the... I, which you gotta, you gotta think that's why they did it. Yeah, <laughs> like to a degree, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and it's cool because they finally gave us. I didn't. I didn't really think about it, but it was kind of cool the way they said it. That John Watts said that Spider-Man had to earn. This Spider-Man had to earn getting the f- swing through Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I think was kind of a cool touch, and like that this was how it does like the final sequence and then the post-credit, which yeah, is a yeah. follow-up to it. Getting the reveal this soon of Peter Parker being who Spider-Man is, Woo! which technically we never even got through three movies of it in the original one, through two movies of the one that we should all probably forget about. Never really got to that point, even though yeah. it's become a, a storyline in a lot of Marvel storylines in the comics themselves. To have it happen like that in a minute So soon, so young. Thing, so soon, so young. Yeah, like you said, he's not an adult yet. He's still in high school. Yeah. Um, and for it to be done that way, like fucking, like you know what that reminded me of it was one of my favorite things to do. I was freaking had a weird talent for it in Halo when you stick someone from the grave. Oh yeah, that's what this was. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a great way to show because there is unaccounted time. In that final sequence. From the grave. Yes. There was time that was unaccounted for, for with Beck, right? In that final sequence. Mm-hmm. That was really fucking cool. Like, oh, that's yes, what he was. was doing there? Like, And then the fact that they were like, you know what? Fuck all of this. He's coming back and playing J. Jonah James. Because he is J. Jonah James. There it's is him. no, there's there's no, no other acceptable alternative. Like, nope. 30 years from now, if they're doing a Spider-Man, I understand how it won't be him anymore. But no, it will a, be. It'll be J.K. Simmons' voice. They will have reconstructed it because they can the do grave. that by this time. <laughs> From um, the grave. Yeah. That is... there. I will accept no other one. And furthermore, no. just to burnish the reputation of this, 2019 
that is who J. Jonah Jameson is now. He is an Alex Jones clone. Yeah. As much as I fucking hate that guy, it's perfect. Perfect. It's perfect. J. Jonah Jameson being 2019, being Alex Jones instead of being the funky newsman who I guess maybe kind of wrote like halfway between like the Daily News and the Inquirer because that's not really like a thing anymore. Like mm-hmm. that today is who that character is. Yep. That's fucking perfect. It's it was when that there was there was applause for that when it when it was him blown yeah. away by that i will say fully expected them to i i'm glad we got we got because it was so much better than this fully expected to wait a really long time for the credits to roll and old captain america to say patience <laughs> i i really thought that's where we were gonna go especially when you could it would have been perfect especially when you consider the last time we talked about this when I told you my sister needed to go to the bathroom. Like, no, no, there's one more. And then yeah. that's what it was. Like, she was laughing and also Mad. full and, of rage yeah. as she sprinted and, out and to go to the might bathroom. might have peed. Like, it's <laughs> might have peed unclear. <laughs> oh, man. So good. I like that we started with the end. Yes. Um, I, I have a, a note. That's actually funny because my first note was Talos and Fat Nick. But uh, my second note was I was right. And about Peter becoming this more, like, kind of ushering in the new wave. Okay. Uh, becoming the lead on on the planet. Well, it certainly was how they were positioning him. And I mean, that was the whole thing, is who's going to answer the call? Who's yeah. going to carry the mantle? And he made the most sense from, a, like, a thematic standpoint. And now they gave him a literal plot standpoint. You are in charge of what Stark has left. Yep. Even though he's died, he's still the hero. Oh my god. Even dead, I'm the hero. That joke landed so well that the laughter kept going that you couldn't hear the next line. Like yeah. that's, I That was well done. That was... I mean... That's, that is so... like You are so in touch... With yep. what you're doing in the, with this MCU, like, and you understand the characters so well. <laughs> I mean, it's as good a time as any to to like kudos to Kevin Feige. He has done an incredible job as the overlord of all of this stuff because uh-huh. he's the one that this all goes through. You know what I mean? He's the one who sets this vision, and they all come back to, and he, you know, what I mean, like he's got his hands in all of this. It's it, he's really done an incredible job of. Even where they fucked up the continuity slightly from like a time perspective, they nail so many other things that it's like you can allow because I that was like the first real break of continuity right was in Homecoming the timelines off with the prologue of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay because there are yeah. so many other things that they get right. Yep, it's, it's, you could totally look over it. Uh, so the opening with the with the in memoriam. Oh my god! I loved that whole everything about it. The you know showing the 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 before and after footage of the kids disappearing from the band. Or that from the was game. amazing. And then them all coming back is incredible. Yep. The the awkward in the middle of the game. <laughs> the, the awkward like like immemorial stuff, and then the absolute fucking cherry on top of. The candle, the single candle burning with Getty images clearly plastered on the screen. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is every high school thing ever. It reminds me of that um, that meme of, you know, I have a passion for graphic design. 
And it's the it's the PowerPoint screen that mm-hmm. everyone is like from who like played with like like Microsoft Office like two thousand three, like knows with like those like fucking like colors like spewed together and it's like the things <laughs> just like p- pasted onto it. <laughs> mm. So the fact that I also love that they brought those two characters back that did the the school news show. Yeah, I had forgotten that that was a thing. I, I did too until I saw that. I was like, oh, right. They did. And so awkward, but then one of them is finally starting to check out because they're graduating. Yeah. Like that, that was what really do I do? silly. I don't understand. When I disappeared, I had a younger brother, and now he's my older brother. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I like that was a fun way to introduce a character into their class at the same age. Yes. Like also, yeah, very get... very subtle bit of world building too, right? Where like they mm-hmm. like kind of like hinted at him, and then like he like shows up later, and like that... has some small bit of relevance to the plot. Oh, but it's great though because it's that's it's it's relevant as far as the the high school movie is concerned, right? Sure. The high school drama, which is so great. The constant battle between him and Peter, and the occasional glare or thrown middle finger is perfect. The first, like, thing, the first thing I, uh, the first thing I did when I got Edith was I accidentally tried to kill what's his name. Wait, you tried to kill him? <laughs> oh my god! Um, can we wait? Can we talk about while we're on it? Like, because that was one of the things. It's like even he. Well, I just I couldn't remember his name, so I just wrote down "fuck boy." Um, huh. Him getting shown up was so satisfying. That mm-hmm. dude was really, really fucking creepy. Yeah. Um. Like I got. The whole, I'm trying to get the girl and fuck you. Like, totally understand that whole part of it. And I totally understand the idea of undermining your rival, right? But, like, the way he went about it was way too weird. (laughs) Like, first of all, you walk into that situation with Peter and the weird Eastern European girl, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand you're confused. And also, you know, he's naked now, or nearly so. And you, it was it was a great setup. It was a great joke setup. Sure, but your first thought is snap a picture and run. That's yeah. not my first thought. Mm-hmm. Now, I might maybe if I'm following the path of him of trying to like embarrass Peter. Like, sure, I might try and use that as leverage against him. But snap a picture and no, no, she needs to know the truth. That was fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, being able to delete it from his phone though made me so happy. Oh yeah, I'm so glad that he did uh, it. And it shows him up in the right. You know, he's trying to like like do it. And it's like, oh, I, I swear I had it. But then yeah. that was the one thing that worked out that really worked out for Jamie Smooth was at the end when he like says the whole thing. Don't be following people and taking pictures of them in the bathroom. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not cool. <laughs> there was, so that was yeah, that was one of his lines that got a a, a nice chuckle. And the all of them had the, something. The, to the say reoccurring about it. witches lines were. Oh. <laughs> That was I'm a man of science. This is witches. <laughs> this is so good. And it was actually one good like bit that like um that what's his name had uh, that Flash had where even he even though he hates Peter. Yep. Even he was like, "No, man, why would you why would you do that?" Like No. when it was so satisfying when Peter accidentally knocks him the fuck out. And the fact that someone saw it, like, did you just punch out Flash? No, no, no of course not. <laughs> Even though he very clearly did. Uh-huh. Oh man, it's so funny. So going going back, we start to get the the glimpse of um, May and Happy, which I'm so glad that John Favreau had a more prominent part in the movie. Yes, I want him to always be there. For he Peter. just looks like he's like 
he looks like he's kind of having the time of his life in some of this stuff. I, I completely agree. I weirdly had a few notes on him in this movie. So he, that relationship between him and May juxtaposed with Peter and MJ, it's like some feelings and, inter- and interactions like, uh, like traverse time and space. Like they're different age groups, different life experiences, both groups equally awkward about the same exact thing. Yes. <laughs> and I thought that was it's, so it's, sweet. It's, I think it's funny how long they played it up, considering you, like the audience, immediately knows what's going on. Oh, absolutely. And it still takes him until the very final scene of the movie to be like, <laughs> guys, we need to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so, it's so, it's adorable. And it like really you said, is. like you said, I'm glad that they gave him a little bit more run in this movie. Because these movies so far, the Spider-Man movies specifically, or the movies with Spider-Man in them, I'll say have continually positioned him with different father figures, right? Mm-hmm. It's Tony, and then with Tony gone, he's reaching out for another one, and it, Fury doesn't have the compassion, or at least Fury as played by Talos, as played by Ben Mendelsohn, um, doesn't have the compassion for it. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the compassion for it. Right. Or maybe doesn't have the time for it in this moment. And Quentin Beck does. Obviously, it's all a scheme, but he, like, he latches on immediately, and like, mm-hmm. he he feels like he's getting what he needs, even though it's ultimately a betrayal of him. And Hap, he's not looking for it from Happy, but Happy knows that he needs it and knows that he can't give it as a father figure. Yeah, but as like, kind of like an awkward uncle, he kind he awkward could, uncle, and in some scenes they have a very brotherly relationship of like their of their shared loss of tony and their love of him and like bonding over him not being there like that was like it's five minutes but like they were on the same level and it's so beautiful it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is on the jet yeah in that well that's why i said awkward uncle because the age gap is too big so oh yeah it's it's like it's peter's father figure has been killed and it's happy's best friend his brother essentially has been yeah. killed okay yeah so you're, said, you're right that make that would it's a very it's more like an uncle yeah but uh it's that i man i i got chills in that scene when it, it hasn't been that long i got chills when he starts to puts the glasses on first off and looks like him and then like he's Doing all the motions, working with computers the same way, with the same confidence. That little of grin Tony. on Happy's face as he looks uh, back. It's out of everything. The that yeah. it's the best scene in the movie. Is that grin? It was very strong. Although the best line, or at least the best line delivery in the whole movie, was him as well when he throws the shield. He goes, "How does Cap? Oh do my this? god! How does Cap do this?" <laughs> it was so good. Oh my it was god. Great they, yeah, she grabs the mace and he. Someone grabs like a, a spear. Or what, what, Ned has a line about that, right? Um, I forget what it was. Um, Halbert. Uh, Halbert, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Halbert, and he's got the shield, and I'm like, oh my god, please throw the shield like Captain America, and he does it, and it's so bad, and it just falls like straight down. Oh my god, how does he do it? <laughs> That's so good. They uh. Ned getting tranked. And Ned gets tranked by Nick Fury. And then calling that back later. Oh, no. Don't even worry about it. That's probably the coolest thing that will ever happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The... I... That Ned... What was... Oh, uh, hang on. I have it here. Again, there's another, uh, another... Betty. Betty. There's another classic, like, anti-joke, like, setup where it's like... 
like, oh, he's so dead set on this. Like, he's going to be keep, like, hammering at home. He's going to shame him over it. And then immediately is the one who, who falls into that whole situation. So good. It's such perfect, like, high school comedy writing. Like, mm-hmm. And that's, like, yeah. Uh, with the high school romantic comedy, every character has some sort of love interest. They, and then, like... They get there and they fall apart. They switch. They're fighting over that. Like it, it was. It really was. It was a. It was like Spider Man by John Hughes. Like it was. It was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, oh my goodness, so silly. But the the oh, babe, babe thing. Babe, oh babe. Like, my uh, god. Like, it was... First of all, like you, as soon as he grabbed her hand or she grabbed it, I can't remember whose hand yep. was on top. Um, you're like, oh, okay, so that's gonna happen. This I see where like, this like, is you going. You see where it's going, but. For it to get to the point where they're already calling each other babe by the time they get off the plane. And, like, Peter doesn't even know what's happening and it's already the, it's babe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that is so perfect. Because, like, if it just come off the plane and it's like they're in a relationship, it's like, oh, when did that happen? Like, like that's funny enough as it is. But for them to be knee-deep in it yep. after a six-hour flight. It, yeah, it was great. It's just, it's, like, so accelerated but made it so funny. And... When they're in the when they're in the Ferris wheel, <laughs> and is that Spider Man? No, no, it's somebody else. What's his name? Uh, Night Monkey. <laughs> like, what, 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 are you kidding? <laughs> it's so it's so silly. It's great too when she screams, Night Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Actually, didn't someone doesn't when he's in someone yells it at some point. Someone else yells it at some point, doesn't? Yeah. Don't they? Uh, afterwards, because it's in the it. it it's in the news that he's Night Monkey because I guess they interview. It's the when he kids. shows up in Berlin, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So, so he goes Night uh, Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I had so much fun with this movie. I MJ, I've got something to tell you. You're Spider Man. What? No. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> I, actually, let's talk about MJ for a minute. Sure. Because I really liked how they changed. Well, I don't want to say change. They started to tweak this to allow the character to be a character, to be a real... They allowed Enderman to be a real person, right? Because she was like a caricature in the first movie. Yeah. Um, And they continue on with that whole, the this like steely facade, the I don't care, like nihilist type of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, which it's fine. Like everyone knew someone like that in high school and like that's totally fine. But the only way that works is it, it in extended screen time is when you show it for the facade that it is because mm-hmm. it they didn't have enough time for it, that to be the case in the first yeah. movie. They cleared um, it as her defense mechanism, as her way of coping with awkward and anxious situations. I exactly. Think That's almost word for word what I have written down. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I say gradually, they gradually peel back the layers to show that her and Peter are mirror images of, of themselves. Layers where, like onion? What's up? Layers like an onion? Yes. Not a relaxed um, onion. No, more like a parfait. Right. Um, the, so, yeah, so she puts up this facade to the world. <laughs> Are you okay? Yep, I'm good. <laughs> she puts up this facade to the world to protect her own vulnerability of, like, this, like, steely awkward, like, I don't care, like, everything. And he hides behind this man's responsibility of being a superhero and using, channeling his own awkwardness through that outlet of being a superhero but underneath the mask that each of them wear they're the same person they're smarter than everyone else in the room Mm -hmm. super awkward 
and can't let anyone else see that. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I it's it's so it's so funny because you yeah you start to see it you understand what the character is like and then you can start to predict things just before they happen. For example, the broken necklace comes into play, and as soon as the necklace is broken, I'm like, oh, she's gonna love that, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what she says. I like she likes it better that way. <laughs> and also, I mean, it is even that own scene is layered, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like the even though she's seen that he's. Spider-Man. This is the first time that the two of them are seeing each other unmasked. Yeah. Literally. I understand that she saw him without the mask, but to see what he is, who he is, and what he has to go through, and what he was willing to do for them, and conversely, because remember, when he kind of starts to make his move, she like he says, like, why were you like watching me like that? And she goes, oh, obviously, because I was trying to figure out Spider-Man. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a lie. Yeah. Um, and now he for doesn't her to- know yet, though. To take her own mask off in that same moment to allow them to see each other for real there was pretty powerful for the two characters. And honestly, truthfully, as awkward as them kissing was, and it was awkward as shit, yeah. um, I still totally bought it a million times more than either of the other two Spider-Mans and their respective Gwens and Mary Janes. Yeah. They, you know what? You know what These I love about that scene? These two are way more convincing and better A hundred percent. Than yes. either of those. Because they're they're character they were I feel like both characters were written they have unique spins to some degree and they were written ground up for each other rather than like well we have to use this caricature of <laughs> of Mary Beth uh, Mary Beth Mary Jane <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this caricature of Spider Man like they they fit together like we don't have to work on that like that's just understood but you know it's funny missed opportunity when when she swings out the window in the hotel room and she turns and looks. And like there's a little, there's a smile on the face. I fully expected a new catchphrase type thing. Like if she said "Go get him, Tiger," I would have really liked that. But if I, I was maybe thinking any, like just something, I thought yeah, she might yeah, have yeah. start like came up with a, you know, some catchphrase. I thought that would have been cool. That yeah, that scene. I, after was watching cute. this one, I was like, oh my god, this is so much. Like I can buy into this relationship so much more than either of the other two's. Mm-hmm relationships they just like you said they felt like they were compelled to yeah like go through those motions and it was i guess it was really mostly a failing of script it wasn't an issue of chemistry of actors no it was a failing of script these two characters were like you said written from the ground up to ultimately be together in some capacity yeah and so when that payoff finally comes it's it feels earned yep yeah. Uh, back to the bridge, though, when they're talking. He's like, no, I'm not. And then when he realizes, like, gets in panic mode, and he's like, oh, shit. Okay, actually, I am. <laughs> and, and we need to go right now. Wait, what? Are you, I was only are we 67% kidding or not kidding? serious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, did all of their serious conversations happen on a bridge? Because the end sequence conversation happened on the bridge, too. <laughs> it's, you know... Building bridges, <laughs> making communication ah. work. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh man, but that that was really funny because like he's just completely panicked and he doesn't know, so he just blurts it out. It's like ah, we got to move on to step two of this because shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> that was a situation in which doing the rushed, awkward, cringy thing totally worked within the framework of what yep. was going on. As opposed to the rushed, cringy 
thing that they did in the reveal of who Quentin Beck and everyone involved with him was. On the one hand, I totally understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. Because it allowed them to take a three-minute montage to get everyone caught up instead of something that could have taken about 15 minutes to explain. It would have been more organic, but it would have totally annihilated the momentum of the movie. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So, on the one hand, I appreciate them saying, you know what? We don't have a great way to do this, so fuck it, we're literally going to have the Basil Exposition thing here. Yeah, you know, it's funny, we were also at that point, because of the way they did it, for those that weren't, that somehow didn't know that this is where it was going, like, you basically had a whole movie up to that point. That was it. Well, like you could have ended the movie there. Like the pr- the problem is they had such a great slow burn build up to that point where they went so long sticking to the bit uh-huh. that it's like, are they ever gonna actually unveil it? And then they have a whole really solid actual villainous sequence over the whole second half of the movie, and the only way to to like take these two disparate pieces and fuse them together was with that really awkward patch Mm -hmm. but i'm okay with it because those other two halves were so good if they were just so good and we just like we're like trying to fit them together and we just won't fit together nicely so we have to put this ugly seam on it i'm gonna take the ugly scene because i loved the other two halves yeah because if you found a way to go watch the movie again at home like when i have it i might go pee yeah you know, like, and, and like, and like there's no doubting. It's awkward and cringy, like yeah. really bad. But if you would, if the co- if the trade off was a more organic but less interesting story, I'm okay with this version of it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I completely agree. <laughs> uh, but it, it it definitely was a little cringy. Yeah. Um. That the doing that tech like the uh, the concept of these drones with the projection that was really fucking cool. It was because I, I that was the one thing I was wondering. I was like, how does Mysterio work in twenty nineteen? Yeah, because like when the character was first created in like I don't know, let's say nineteen seventies. I'm just guessing, but that feels right. Um, that sort of thing makes sense for them. Yeah, it's like, just magic. Kn- it's fine. What we know about computers and all this stuff now is like, how are they gonna do this thing? Yeah, and That's... and building it off of this existing Stark tech that that got more advanced. Like you're basically looking at also like the you know the the invisible floating shield ships, right? Oh, but instead of instead of making it invisible, you're projecting different image and like doing all of that in different pieces and moving it independently. Well, the like... thing is, I kind of figured it was going to be something like that, but I was when they showed because the thing is, you can have you can have that fake image and the fake part of Mysterio fighting it, right? Mm -hmm. But when you introduce Spider-Man into the mix, it's like, well, how do you continue on? By giving it the weapons technology behind it as the underlying backbone. It's like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. Uh Uh-huh. That was really cool. That like that that concept of building that out was was fantastic. They didn't um it was cool to pepper in like pepper him into an existing scene. Like the, uh, what was it? The, um, the glasses. Yeah. No, that's what they say that they're using. But in my mind, like the tech kind of leads more towards the ship tech. But anyway, the glasses scene and having, uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Uh, what was his name? Be- ben? Quentin Beck. Quentin Beck. Uh, having him off, off screen. Like that's kind of cool. Like writing that in because I get to stay, they could safely do it. 
And then, uh, and then some other characters that were actually there, I think was a cool idea too. Yeah. Like the guy that, um, was it Tobias when he like yells at him, Tony <laughs> made this in a cave. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, wait, did you call him Tobias? I called him Tobias. I can't think of his name. O- Obadiah? Obadiah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, that type of name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Obadiah. Uh, he yeah this i also sometimes it's it's also you know get those warm fuzzies of seeing an old scene like that again too which is kind of cool yeah and yeah and they they drew pretty heavily on this like, right because they showed the whole reveal from the beginning of civil war where he's watching the the, the simulator mm-hmm. thing as like a coping mechanism or whatever yeah. yeah that was cool liked that liked the way that they liked what they were doing technologically didn't again didn't love same with you like didn't love how they had to do the reveal but okay, but even okay in the moment the i'm like even in the moment of watching it i was like okay yeah. i get why well, they kind of have to do this yeah. this way we're already it's pretty deep in the movie and i clearly have a lot more to go so it's I basically this is the this quickest piece. way we can do this so fuck Absolutely. it we're just going all in on it yeah. and like you know what like just like own it and then move on like that's yeah. what they did like and they did yeah like this is bad just deal with it and we'll move on. We won't do something like that. Because everything else after that was fine. I want to circle back to okay. before we leave for the trip. When Aunt May throws a banana at Peter's face. <laughs> and so and this is where you're going to splice in that the, audio from Gian, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so this is the first time we hear reference of the, of the Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle! Which I think... Never, I never saw that coming. In a million years, would have never thought of a joke around that thing because he was talking to Aunt May about this sensation that, as she calls it, is Peter Tingle. Well, that was in one of the trailers. The Peter Tingle? Or yes. the banana? Both. The whole, oh, that, I didn't, whole, I didn't, that whole scene, yeah. I don't remember hearing the Peter Tingle thing until I saw the movie. Yeah, no, it, I, I'm pretty sure that whole thing was in a trailer. But <coughs> I didn't realize it was going to be a running joke throughout Getting, the course of the movie. The way that that hits him in the face, you can just see, like, you you know how mad you would be in that split second, and, like, just to see that on his face was so great. But, yeah, and then, uh, well, then Happy later goes, like, was it your Peter Tingle? <laughs> which, which, if he was having any doubts, that was as good a way as any to eliminate those doubts, right? Is <laughs> him using the words Peter Tingle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, later on, at the very end, when he, like, Focuses to use it. I think he says, "Come on, Peter Tingle." <laughs> yes. Or, or I think he, he might have just called it "Come on, Tingle" or something. Like, uh, like let's do this. Yeah, like he makes a clear acknowledgement. He's finally <laughs> given in. Like it's happening. Like let's just get it over with. Like, oh my goodness, that that cracked me up. And that was also, it was really fun. They did two things. They they leaned into the Spidey sense, which I thought was cool because it's like the first like real introduction of it with this version of Spider Man. Outside of the one scene in Infinity War when the hair goes up on his arm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, and I guess and, and his of, feeling when he's when he knows that he's going before he's going. That was kind of, I guess, like a nod to Spider-Man Two, where he, like his, like his own emotional trauma, like destroyed his ability to use his powers. Mm-hmm. Right where this is, you know, the trauma of going through what he went through in Infinity War and Endgame has put his tingle on the fritz. Yeah, that's oh, the worst <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. A hundred percent intentional. <laughs> oh my 
Unlike, unlike the bones thing with Walking Dead earlier. So that was we, completely unintentional. <laughs> we get like actual focus on the Spidey sense. The other thing we got is this is the first time that he's run out of web so far since we've seen this Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And it's like, so. and it makes sense because it's the, it's the most that he's used it on screen. Also, doesn't have a like stock on hand because he's in Europe. Right, and didn't. Oh man, when his suit's in the suitcase, and they open the suitcase, and he's like, huh? and then the woman's like, the no banana. banana. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, here's a fun fact. Do you you know the whole bow thing? The what? When. MJ learns the word or the phrase bo oh. in Venice. Yeah. Uh, There's an inside joke in my family that we do this because my, my cousins were here. That is absolutely a thing that they say. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, it's like, it's kind of like a, oh, whatever. Like a, like a shrugging thing. That's how they used it. And so like they, somebody would ask a question and he, my cousin wouldn't know the answer and he'd go, <laughs> and that was, and that it, he did this a lot, like the week that we were with them. And uh, when she, when she says it, she's like, "I learned a new phrase," and she says it. I went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and I, and it, immediately after the movie ended, I texted my sister. I was like, "You are never gonna believe." <laughs> but that was that, that was, was a lot of fun. I uh, the so getting into some of those battle sequences, those crazy like. Inside and outside of the hallucin of the of the projection, when usually peeking behind the curtain makes things less cool, but it actually made it more cool. Oh, it's awesome! And what about like so the the first the the first one in Germany? I think yes. When he, well, that's uh, really the one that needs to be talked about because that scene was really cool. That was nuts, and that was like, how do you make the crazy sequences from the cartoon work today? Oh, never mind. You guys got this. <laughs> drones. <laughs> <laughs> drones. No, but like even so, even the like the aesthetic of it, like they they pull in some of the themes from like uh, from like Doctor Strange CG effects that they do, and like and some of the uh, quantum realm stuff that they did. Like you could just see it in the movement of different things, and like the expansion of like into multiple multiple Mysterios like around like, things like that. Yeah, and then him being big, him being mm-hmm. small, or whatever, like. Really um, cool. And, and the fact that it jumped between his different costumes. Yeah. That was he awesome. Had his, he had his, like, BS costume from the first movie. Like, mm-hmm. he had the, the one that he was wearing. Like, he had the, the you know, he was wearing the, the Night Monkey one. It had his one, his actual spider suit from the Far From, or from Homecoming. Like, all that sort of stuff. Like, jumping between all of those. Like, the whole idea of, from the beginning the confusion of what's real and what isn't and then how it gets put like ratcheted up to fucking a million of what's yeah. real and what isn't and throwing this whole thing like he's out in the middle of the sunlight but he can't see shit because these things are surrounding him so he's just in this fucking black wasteland of this as he's getting his ass whooped and it's like man he couldn't possibly see which way is up at this point you know what I mean and, yeah you know you go into the whole thing with I guess like Maria was fake but Fury was real and then they play off the whole thing of Fury having gotten shot, but now Fury is fake, and it's actually him, and it's all that oh sort of stuff. Like, that was yeah, that was crazy. When it when it happened, a lot of things were predictable. That whole thing got me because when Fury picked him up, I did not suspect at all that it wasn't him. I don't it know. It was like literally three dimensional. Yeah, and game. When, when, as soon as they got upstairs, I was like, 
Hill's not real. Like that's like I was like this is where, that's where it's gonna go, and I thought he was like realizing it, and that's what he was, but it was it was still part of the show. It was like yeah, it was it was the uh, it's a whole three part act, right? <laughs> and then yeah. and then the fact that when you when you understand the scale, that well, that's what it was is the scale, right? Because like I just assumed <laughs> they were just bringing him to some other like random generic building. There. No, no, it's just like some random fucking warehouse, and they made yeah. it look like a whole fucking thing. It's like. Oh shit! Like he's got like thousands of these drones. Like it's so wild. And then doing the yeah, so there's that hoodwink, and then like doing the uh, getting shot by Fury, and that's actually again again another like the triple bluff, right? And then pushing and pushing and pushing him, getting hit by the train. I I just was like, I couldn't keep up. I was like, no, what, 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 what's that's happening? What so incredible is it's like it was literally like a three dimensional shell game. Yeah, it's like man, they've done this so much that it's not just confusing him. You are lost as well. They did a thing where uh, after they did that, I went, man, how's he gonna win? Yeah. <laughs> well, there was literally only one way for him to win, and it was the Peter single. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh my god, it's so good. When <laughs> later on, when uh, Hill's on the top of the of the building and shoots the rocket down at the one drone that's gonna kill him. <laughs> that's gonna kill oh, yeah. Fury. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that fight sequence absolutely bananas. And then when we get into uh, like the final the, sequence with the all of the extra sequence. drones and the oh man, we have the in and out pulling them apart and then you start to see the illusion breaking and then swinging in between the illusion and the like inside of like the safe space between it yeah. that was just like it, it was so incredibly done it was great too because they kind of like hinted at him like developing this new suit technology but they don't really show you what it is and even though he kind of like, like oh like can i do this with a delay and it's like well, what is he talking about and, it's, and then the show oh wow he's not really being too secretive about this once you realize that like things going off it's like Oh, no, he, like, that's what's going on there. Okay, fantastic. He mm-hmm. just destroyed a whole swath of them in, like, one shot. Like, damn. <laughs> what, did, what was he saying when he was jumping from each one? You're webbed. You're webbed. You're, like, he was saying something oh, yeah, along yeah, those yeah. lines. I forgot. I forgot uh, what he was saying. You're right. That was really, that was great. And uh, leading into him being on, like, that, getting himself up. In, that was actually pretty cool, how he got himself up into the bridge. Like, the that top area, that, like, catwalk type space yeah doing that like uh he like that there was that one that was shooting upward and he was using it to propel himself up but like had to time it just right and get the thing oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that was very cool and then i again i they got me they got me again at the very end when you hear the gunfire i was like wait what just happened like and it's still an illusion yeah but he caught the bull like oh my God, like <laughs> I was like, I was like. Ugh. Afterwards, I just like needed to catch my breath. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And then, and then they do the post credits thing. They reveal that it's him, and he goes, oh. And then, ending it on the on the F <laughs> as the credits cut in and change the sound was perfect. <laughs> oh, especially because it was the same way they ended Homecoming, right? Was it? I don't remember yeah. what the final. It was the same way that they ended Homecoming when Aunt May walks in on him. Yes, you're right. That was how she found out that he. She goes. (laughs) (laughs) I think where she said, "What the fuck?" But it cuts off. Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What What the? And then it cuts. (laughs) 
I actually, I think it was probably pretty cool that they skipped right through the whole... It's just like, we don't need to go through any explanation. She knows. Yep. She's totally cool with it, which, like, yeah. that's kind of cool, right? Like, I liked that a lot. I, I figured it would be kind of like a give and take where, like, she understands it and respects it, but is still afraid. Instead, she's the one pushing him to... No, you're going to forget your suit. Like, hey, come be Spider-Man at this charity thing I'm doing. Like, she totally is on board with it, which is not something... I expected there to be kind of, like a moral like quandary for her to be in with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, well, hey, I totally get it and I appreciate it, but also you're my 16 year old nephew. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, it's... And said she was, she was fully on board, like start to finish. But like, bring your suit with you. Like, <laughs> yes. And then sneaks it into her suitcase, yep. which was, uh... had the initials BFP on it. Ben Franklin Parker, yeah. Parker, I think, right? I, I, I think it's Franklin. I, don't I think know. so. Yeah. Um, te- technically, they still haven't in any way, shape, or form even addressed it other than like those initials. Yeah, that's really good because yeah. the audience is tired of it. Well, it's the same thing that we said we don't need to see him becoming yep. Spider-Man again. We technically really don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. We we kind of know it, um, especially when you consider how ham-handed it was in the, right. the Amazing Spider-Man ones. Like not not Uncle Ben dying. The the whole thing with the parents way more so you know what i mean mm-hmm. um god it was just bad that part of it's just <laughs> that part of it is just bad yeah was, the first movie is fine yeah but that part of it's bad um but the the tony kind of took the role of uncle ben right the mm-hmm. guy that he watched die you know what i mean which although technically if you consider if he that whole thing did happen in an unspoken of thing man he's watched a little bit too much death of father figure oh yeah yeah yeah, he's he's completely screwed up at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but man, what a good time this movie is. Yeah, uh, it really. I I was surprised. I was worried they wouldn't. I just when it comes to sequels, you just want them to match the energy of the first one, and yep. this one exceeded it. And we both really liked that one, and yeah. this one even outstripped it fairly substantially. Yeah, it did a. It, they did an incredible job. And it's not, it's not perfect, right? We acknowledge no. like the cringiness of the way they stitched those two things together. And some people, I think, really liked. I think I'm, in, I'm of the opinion I liked that they were all connected to Stark in this sense. But maybe people didn't like it. And that's okay. I could understand being on either side of the aisle of that one. Sure. Um, for me, I think it made sense if we're going to tie this movie specifically to his relationship to Tony. Having to having to atone for the sins of the father makes sense in this case, right? Because it was really not that bad of a, of all the sins of Tony Stark, this one doesn't feel that bad and he still has to take up the mantle for it. And that's okay. And that's how he, he was having trouble becoming that role, right? Filling the void that was left behind by him. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is a way to make it okay for him. Yeah. I liked that bit of it. Yeah. <sighs> I guess it'd be a valid criticism to say that both the villains he's faced have been cast-offs from their own issues with Tony. So it's technically twice now he's had to, again, atone for the sins of the father, but... Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a nitpick, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that uh, for... Vulture. Well, again, Vulture was displaced by S.H.I.E.L.D. and Stark Industries and felt that he had this thing. That's why he's attacking 
the shipment of Stark technology to gr- grab more of that stuff to be his golden parachute and all that. And yeah. It's below... Remember, you know, stay low since you're the lo- local neighborhood Spider-Man. So this was off of Tony's radar. Uh-huh. And he's the one who's got to clean up the mess. Well, I, I guess what I what I mean by it is, like, it's more... I feel like the, the stakes are more personal in the second movie. Well, actually, I would say the other way around. It becomes Person, more personal with personal. Tony. Oh, yes. No, but I was going to say the stakes between... Um, the villain and Peter oh, yeah. were more personal in the first one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In the second one, the them, bad guy is just a psycho. <laughs> yes. Well, he, in, in 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 reverse order, he actively targets Peter, not for Peter himself, but for what Peter holds, right? Because, like he said, he actually really had no nothing against Peter. It does actually seem, before he goes full psycho, that he genuinely likes it. I understand he's putting on a facade early on, but remember, like, the scene when, what's the game, he goes, I hope you're, ha-, when his, the guy who was, was yelled at by Obadiah Stane, fucks up, right? Tobias. Loses the <laughs> yeah, Tobias Stane. Um, when Man. he says, I hope you're happy now, now I have to kill Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's on actually, your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, there was genuinely, he like, it, like he, it started as like a whole ruse, but he genuinely goes to like the kid, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, he's totally Peter okay with the fact him... that he's gonna have to kill him, but like, like he, for his own part, like yeah, like, oh, well, yeah, like I'm totally willing to pay this price, but like, yeah, sure, a perfect world. I, I wouldn't have killed you. Yeah, yeah. I like you know that I guy. Mean? Like, when like, you he, find out great. that Peter told him everything that he needed to know, that rips your heart out. Yeah, <laughs> I just told MJ Nedden. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like man, you are so gullible. <laughs> like, he goes, I mean, like smart as a whip, but God, just naive. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, such a! I just want to watch it again, man. Very good. It, it, it's the type of movie that I would consider watching again. When I when I was done with it, I was like, oh, I kind of kind of wish it was still going. Like, that's dive back in. I'll probably see it uh, one more time before it leaves theaters. I, but do you have anything else? Uh, I don't think I think we covered most of the. Uh, the oh, uh, one thing I was curious. Oh, it's actually, two things. So, is Mysterio dead? I, I assume so. So I'm I'm just curious. What, I, so they've set up. Um, he would have been the third of uh, uh, the third of a Sinister Six. Hmm. Uh, that they've introduced. So I'm curious if there's if, I guess it doesn't have to be him. Wait, the third. Scorpion, Vulture. And Mysterio. Scorpion wasn't in this. He was in the first movie. It was Scorpion. The uh, the guy that's in prison. He's got the tattoo on his neck. He, oh, because he doesn't he hasn't had any yeah. like, power. Although, I, well, I guess technically four probably, right? Was Shocker one of them? I don't know if he's in. I don't think he's one of the. Sinister I know six. he's. I mean, he's one of the Spider Man. Oh no, was, he. I think he might. He might be. Familiar know. with from the the video games, he was a pretty common like one in the, some of the games. So I assume that he probably was part of the Sinister Six, but I don't actually know. Actually, that might be a hint then, because that guy, the Shocker character, kind of changed, right? It was just like whoever was using the equipment. Yeah. Uh, no, elect was it Electro? I think is Electro is part of the Sinister Six. Oh, okay. I believe. Electro was um, the one that Jamie Foxx played, right? I guess it could be really anyone. They could do any six, any Pro- six. I'm sure. I mean, I assume Doc Ock would be one, but I don't know if we're ready for yeah. another, 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 another. So they one? they might not ever do it either, because I know there was also that. Well, people were asking about it after the movie, and Feige was very ambivalent about it. Yeah. 
And it, you know what? If you want to leave it in there as just a nod, that's okay too. Yeah. So I'm, I, I think that's. Well, I know they teased it at the end of. Was it the first Amazing Spider-Man? The was it the first or the second? I think it was the end of the. First. It might have been the first one. Yeah, they definitely did. And they were there was a Sinister Six movie on the books at that point. Yeah, and they killed it. Yeah, right, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was that was one question: was is he dead? Um, I, I'm gonna I, assume so because the, well, it seemed like he was gonna have a chance to walk away, and then you realize the illusion, like he like it ends with him like kind of choking out his last words, and yeah. Then, like, well, to to that point, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is dead, but that guy's took that flash drive. I don't know like what he can do if he could. Who, who took a flash drive? The one that put the message together. The guy that um, that Obadiah was. Oh, uh, I at. just assume that they kind of wrapped him up. I I I have viewed that as a type of thing where like, I assumed he had some sort of with like the capabilities of Edith and everything. I just assumed that it was like a poison pill where it was if he died, it was just going to send itself to the internet. Mm. Well, I, no, you know he I mean? constructed it. That's why you see him take that flash drive out at the end. In that, oh, in, did he? I yeah, about that. he pulls a piece. So that's why I see say that like. Theoretically, anybody can because it's just the illusion. It could yeah. be a different person. So there's that. So the char- like the the concept of that character might not be. Although part dead. of it was the whole theatricality, like him being like a stage actor. You know what I mean? Like, True, but somebody else was writing it, and like I don't know, like they can get somebody to fill the role. It's true, so. but it, like he had like the big vision and like those had like the direction and action part of it, like the acting part of it. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um. I, and again, I don't think it's necessary for them to bring it back. The other thing I wanted to touch on was the the mention of a multiverse and then it not actually being the case. Yeah, which I kind of had always figured was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have seen it go back and forth a few times and I still don't know what the actual answer is. People have asked, they asked John Watts a bunch about whether or not it's real and he was kind of didn't really say like uh-huh. he's like oh like i like the idea like it could be and like it's totally on the like the like in like in the cards is a possibility but like i wouldn't necessarily this is 100 percent confirming it but then people ask feige about it and i don't know i don't know what his answer was whether he confirmed it or not hmm. i meant to look into it and i just didn't get to it so well, anyway, that was just something I was curious about. I feel like just the fact that they mentioned it and nodded to it, whether or not it's real, just I feel like that alone means they're open to the concept. So Well, they're definitely open to the concept. Otherwise, they wouldn't have introduced it even as right. a ruse. Um, and a lot of people are speculating, whether this is right or wrong, I don't know, but a lot of people are speculating is that's the way that they could go about introducing the Fantastic Four and the X-Men eventually. Hmm. Because otherwise, they've done enough skirting of like where captain marvel is in the past right this and that yeah it's hard to hide all of those characters in well they were off doing this other thing while everything was going on you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go um i'm confident that whatever they do i'll enjoy it <laughs> but too bad we, did, we didn't have brian for the uh, sinister six talk i feel like he would have had more insight for us oh is he a big sinister six guy yeah he's just a big spider-man fan hmm but cool anything else no awesome well that's it for this week's episode of flicks in the six we hope you enjoyed it as always if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss you can send those requests to flicks in a six at spintune.com or tweet us at the spintune tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness until then i'm anthony costanzo and i'm al bielsa 
Thanks for coming out.